Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute before we get started to mention a couple things. First of all, yesterday we lost a true BMX legend and good friend in Kevin Robinson. Many thoughts and prayers go out to his wife Robin and their children and his family. Kevin was an amazing person. Many of you are probably well aware of him and have seen him announcing most recently for the X Games and also just was published in the Guinness Book of World Records for his 100-foot ramp-to-ramp backflip that he did in downtown Providence in the summer of 96. So an amazing person. Also, he started a group that I'm part of on Facebook called Journey for Wellness with his partner, Alyssa Mealy. It can be found at journeyforwellness.com. So it's journey, the number four, wellness.com or on Facebook or Instagram under the same name. But they created something extremely special, absolutely for free. And their goal was and still is, and will continue to be because of the group, to have all of us become healthier versions of ourselves. And they've done an amazing job and will miss Kevin dearly. But it's something about Kevin that many people don't know, and I wanted to mention that. Just an amazing person. And the mantra that will go through my head over and over every time I challenge myself with anything, whether it's physical or whether it's these podcasts. His words, find your fight, no excuses, get it done. So just an amazing person, and again, he'll be dearly missed. The other thing I wanted to mention was that often what happens with the interviews, we get into a conversation that really begins to flow and you finish and you say, oh, shoot, I forgot to mention, or I wish I said this, or what have you. So something really important that Mark was very adamant about was, for very good reason, he wanted to make sure that he acknowledged his gratefulness for his parents, Les and Barbara Zalewski, and everything they had did for Mark's hobby, from the beginning of his racing days to the creation of TNT bicycles. But just really amazing parents. I don't believe it needs to be said, Mark, but he wants and hopes that they are proud of him for all that he has done for the new generation of TNT bicycles. And I have no doubt that they are. Mark has done an amazing job, and as you will hear in this interview, he is absolutely the consummate professional as well as just an honest, gentle guy that wants the best for BMX and his family and his friends. So enjoy the listen. Soon enough, you'll hear a few more great ones as I've been stockpiling a couple interviews for winter as it gets a little more difficult to reach people face to face 
which is my preference with these. Next up, you will hear Susie Levan, which is a great interview, as well as Rob Delecki and Scotty Kramer. So again, enjoy the podcast. Be sure to subscribe and let me know what you think. So enjoy. Welcome back to the BMX in our blood, and I am here with Mark Zalewski, better known as Mark Z from TNT Bicycles. And uh, we have lots to talk about, so we'll jump right into it. Hello, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Hey, Joe. How are you, man? I appreciate it. Thanks so much for asking. Oh, no problem. Everyone says that, and I'm like, what do you mean, thank me? Thank you. You know, this is great for you just to, you know, give up your time and let stories flow and, and, you know, do that kind of thing. People appreciate it. People love to hear the stories, and uh, and there's lots of stories to tell, So, especially about TNT, because we're talking about a lot of history. There's nothing like getting together with old school friends and talking about the the old days that's it can go for hours oh yeah no no doubt i'm gonna do my best to uh to not to not let that part go too far because there's so much going on that's new with you also so we'll make sure we make time for that sounds good let's uh talk quickly about your own history before uh without tnt your own bmx history and uh just starting with when you started racing and your career? Uh, I started when I was probably around 10 years old. Um, I had a buddy in elementary school who was that skateboarder guy or surfer guy. And uh, he actually was started skateboarding and then eventually went to surfing. But he was that guy who was doing extreme sports. And he was running around town on his BMX bike. And, and uh, I latched on to him and we just used to ride around town. And then one day he told me he was going to English Town Raceway, Raceway Park. And uh, he said this they do BMX racing over there so I said do you mind if I go with you so I hitched a ride with his dad his dad took me there and uh, I was hooked at that point I mean I started racing and he ended up quitting and moving on to other sports but I stayed with it I was I told my father I said I want to do this what year was that if you were 10 uh, I was 10 somewhere around like probably around 81 82 oh okay right around that time frame um, not a lot of people realize that there's actually a lot of cycling history in my family my cousins on my dad's side were big road bike racers oh i didn't know that yeah they're big road bike racers my cousin bonnie my uh cousin john and my cousin teddy they're all big road bike racers she actually rode for fuji sun tour fuji sundance really for years yeah and my uncle was their team mechanic wow so uh there was always cycling in our blood I just didn't go that route. I went to BMX because it was more exciting. Right. But uh, yeah, there was we were around it all the time, and and I remember going to like my uh, my uncle's house for Thanksgiving, and we'd be sitting there eating dinner with with uh, you know with Fujis and Kalnagos, you know, and and all uh, every, every all these bikes I never even heard of right. hanging over our heads, and we'd have to get up and not hit our heads on, on pedals <laughs> and and tires and stuff. But that's it was their life and. Yeah. I got sucked into that, and then I latched onto BMX, and I never turned back. I loved it. Really? Yeah. So yeah. English Town, we're talking English Town Raceway. Yep. They had a track at English Town as well. Yeah, as they part had, of the property. Yeah, they had a track right, like kind of right next to the drag strip. Okay. Over there, and it was WWBMXA. Oh, I remember. That was, yeah, that was the organization over there, and uh, very, you know, old school track flat i think the gate even had like an arm on it you know that's how we dropped it It was nothing electronic back then yeah but um it was uh it was a good time i was racing there with my 
there's for Scavone's bike shop, or actually the original bike shop, and then Scavone's, and then with uh, with an old Protec plastic eggshell looking yeah. helmet. Remember those things? Yeah. I raced with. That's how I started with that on a. I think I had a Pook. Yeah. Or a Scorpion, same kind of same bike, and uh, from there I got a Diamondback Silver Streak, used one. Uh huh. And then I remember my dad told me that if I uh, if I turned expert, he'd buy me any bike I want. Wow. Anything I wanted. And Some we, incentive. Yeah, yeah. So we went to to the bike shop, and uh, I ended up using my own allowance to get the bike. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You're, we'll get into it later, but it sounds like your dad's a good businessman. He is. I ended up paying for the bike. Yeah, I bought myself a GT all decked out, you know, but uh, yeah, that's when... Uh, that's kind of how I started racing some BMX. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, and by the way, I almost forgot, we are at Howell, New Jersey, Central Jersey BMX right now for their Ironman race, mm-hmm. uh, which is the perfect atmosphere for me to interview because I just love interviewing on an actual, at an actual location that, that BMX is actually happening. Right. And um, I love to talk to people face-to-face and really have that genuine kind of interaction so i'm really happy that you were able to meet me here and that's that noise in the background so that's it's definitely good so yeah it's bmx this is actually my home track is it yeah i only i live only 15 minutes from here so did this track start after english town i didn't even know about anything else outside of english town at that point you know from and i never raced nbl or aba at that point it was all ww bmxa and then i started that's when like we used to race deptford and um, a couple other tracks in Jersey, and then eventually I heard about Braddock, right. ABA Braddock, right. and the Armory Indoor in Jersey City. Yeah, and uh, we started racing that, and uh, you know we thought we were, we thought we were the bomb. You know we were racing locally and we were doing well, and there was a group of us that didn't know anything outside of the out of locals. Uh-huh. And then one day it was a, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was we were at the track and this dude shows up in. Uh, you know, and a PK Ripper, all decked out in old school SE gear, and we're like, "Who's this guy?" You know, coming here, we're gonna we're gonna smoke this guy. Yeah. And next thing I know, this guy's beating us by the whole last straightaway. I'm like, "Who was that guy?" Brian Lopes. Brian Show- Lopes. Brian Lopes shows up at our local at Braddock, and just destroyed us all. And <laughs> he knocked that chip off our shoulder so fast. <laughs> was he here as part of a tour? I don't know what he was doing there. He was just there, and he just showed up. I mean, it, was, it wasn't like there was a slew of, you know, top-notch riders that came in because it was a national in town or something. Just Lopes showed up and wow, just destroyed all of us by so much that it just <laughs> knocked things into perspective for us. And, and yeah. so after that, I was like, you know, maybe, you know, let's start looking around, see what other tracks are out there. And, and then we found out about Howell. And uh, my dad took me to Howell, and we, we started racing here. I was... I raced here pretty much every single weekend. Ended up becoming Howell's Rider of the Year and won all their state series and everything here because I knew this track like the back of my hand. It was my home track, and um, this was back in the '80s, still. Yeah, yeah, still in the, still in the '80s, and um, and then finally, oh, then we went out to Egg Harbor, learned about Egg Harbor, started racing Egg Harbor, and uh, that's where I met a lot of my lifetime friends. You know, now like I. Like Dougie Lunin and uh, you know all those guys, and and me and Doug are still best friends to this day. I mean, yeah. we, we don't. He lives out in California. We don't talk that much, but it's like sure. every time we pick up the phone, it's like I saw him yesterday. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, he kind of you know told me about 
nationals mm-hmm. and stuff and kind of introduced me to that and then we started making our way to some races like Hilton New York War of the Stars that's when the War of Stars was all going on yeah yeah and uh, I was racing with my inch and three eighths on my on my GT uh-huh. and uh, I was like wow you know these riders out here are just another level and but I still loved it yeah. you know I loved it and um, basically my dad was just he was behind me in it and kept taking me around to the races we still kind of stayed in the east coast scene sure and didn't travel much far out of that but um too far out of that i mean mm-hmm. but um but i couldn't stop racing i loved it i was playing soccer and racing bmx at the same time and then soccer got pushed aside and all i did was ride my bike I got all the time at that point so so you started to travel out of the northeast uh toward the mid to late 80s when you started to go to say a florida national or did you go to world champs in florida at that point no i didn't go to world champs in florida um went to i think maybe a couple of races i remember nbl had the race where it was like back to back the east the easter races when it had orlando i think in sarasota we did that a couple times and uh i got smoked i mean I (laughs) i got destroyed at these races you know, especially around Florida guys or California guys, these guys are riding all year round. You know, we only had winter came, we locked the bike up. Yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do with rollers, but right. if you're not riding your bike out there, right. um, you, you need to kind of, you know, it's hard to compete with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we went to like the Florida races. We made it like a vacation. My parents would basically pick races where they can we can actually do other stuff oh, okay. instead of just going to the race. Right. But um, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much uh, how I started at that point. What? Do you have siblings? I have a sister is about a year younger than me. I'm 46 now. She's 45. I got a brother, uh, my brother Michael, who actually raced for a little while uh-huh. as well. He was more into soccer though, yeah. and he took a really bad crash when he was younger. Um, I forgot around what age, but he was when he was younger. He had a bad crash and hurt his back, and it kind of that stopped his BMX racing. He got he got scared I think sure. at that point and I could understand it um, and then I have and now I have a uh, I have my sister Monica who's 25 so there's a big gap there I mean, technically she could be she could be your daughter I take her I go places with her and everybody's like oh it's your daughter I'm like no it's my sister you know but right. yeah. yeah so me and my brother raced uh, for a while together but then he quit right. he didn't race too much right. Um, but you were still able to go as a family somewhat, even though you were the one that was the racer of the of the family. Yeah, yeah, and I feel bad because my sister got dragged along to a lot of these things, and there was really nothing there for her, you know. Right. She was into like gymnastics and cheer and all these things, but right. uh, and she got dragged to all these BMX races, and she, I don't know how much into it she was. I, you know, she did never, she at least get to go to Woodward? I mean, at least she could go to gymnastics. I think she did. I think yeah, I think she did go to Woodward. You know, that was always a highlight. We always looked forward to going to Woodward because the pool. There was always yeah, yeah. something to do there. The diving boards, right? And it was just a cool atmosphere with the cabins and everything. We oh, tried yeah. to stay there and and just. Uh, Tried to make it somewhat of a family vacation. Right. Um, expensive family vacations. Yeah, you know, right. BMX isn't cheap, but uh, but yeah, we tried. You know, we tried. And yeah. then uh, once I got old enough to travel on my own, uh, my dad kind of added up how much it was actually costing to go to these races. Mm-hmm. He says, oh, that's it. He goes, as soon as you got a driver's license, you're on your own. You're going to these races by yourself. He goes, pack up a car with a bunch of your friends 
and get a hotel room and pack 10, 12, 15 guys in a hotel room if you have to. Someone sleep in a tub, someone sleep on the floor. <laughs> you know, you know, I two- slept in a tub, but it was kind of by accident. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. won't go there. I did too. Right, I did right. too, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, and then just started kind of going to the races on my own with friends. And, and uh, that's when... That's why, kind of like when I was when I would go to race with my parents all the time, they would videotape everything, and I would go back and enjoy those videos. But when I started going by myself, the, the videos kind of stopped. Which would have been in the early, or I'm sorry, early nineties. In the nineties, sort of. Yeah, yeah, back. yeah, exactly. Because my dad wasn't traveling to the races that much anymore, and um, uh, I'd have to rely on other people's videos Bro just cam. to watch me on races. Yeah, it's yeah. The Bro cam. Cam. He's just hand the hand the camera around. Exactly. <laughs> hey, can exactly. you get my moto? Right, right, right. Well, that's good stuff. So. I, I don't really, and you're probably too modest to say so, but I don't believe a lot of people know, especially now, uh, with you in today's era of BMX, realize that you were really good, very, very good. And I think you excelled, uh, and you can correct me where I'm wrong in this, in this continuum, this story, but you progressed to semi-pro pretty quickly after riding successfully as an amateur as well. I guess, I guess, I don't, I mean, I was out there just out there having a good time and, and, uh, enjoying myself. I mean, there was, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, by the way. No, you're welcome. Um, I never looked at it like that. I kind of just was like about having a good time and traveling with my friends and, and, uh, you were banging bars with good I, guys. I, I, yeah, I, just say yeah. so. You were. All right. I get, yeah, I get, we were. We give were. Me, give me an example of a race in the, in the say, early 90s where you, where you were banging bars with, with someone that you're really proud of. Um, someone that you're proud to have been banging bars with because you, were, you knew you were, you were on that day. Um, let's see. I would probably have to say Todd Lyons. Yeah, I'd probably have to say Todd. There you go. Yeah, it where, was. Where was that? Um, there was a time when I was getting, when I started out racing, I was getting bullied around the track a lot. I was getting pushed around, and I, looking back, I think it was because I was, I was getting faster. I felt myself getting faster, and I was in the mix with guys, but I didn't know how to ride in the pack. I wasn't used to being being quick, but I was in the mix with the guys, and I was getting bumped around and tossed around in corners and things like that, and. And uh, they're racing people like like Todd or like Robbie Lincourt and like Joe Spurrier and oh, yeah. you know all those guys and Shan Hatfield. Yeah. Um, and I was a lot of times I made the mistakes I made were on my own. I'd be sure. in the mix and I would just get too nervous because I was right in there with all these guys. And I'd say, "Holy crap! You know, I'm going fast," and then I blow up or. That's a heck of a mix to be in. You just, <laughs> you just rattled off the strongest guys in that class. Yeah, I you mean, know, really, our class was no joke was, back then. I mean, it was right. it was the real deal, and anybody could win at any time. And I wasn't winning at that point, but any one of those guys was winning, you know. But you were making mains. I started making mains around that time frame, but I was I was getting beat up a lot out there and getting pushed around. And I remember my dad saying to me, you know, one day he pulled me aside and. I don't know if it was because he was spending a lot of money going to the races or it was costing a lot of money for him to get me to these races. But he said, listen, because I would come off the track and I'd be pissed. I'd be angry. I'd be frustrated and and pissed off. And he said to me one day, I'll never forget it. He said, if you want this to stop, he goes, you need to do it back just one time. He goes, 
they will stop. Trust me. Because mm-hmm. they're going to know that you're not going to take their crap anymore. Right. That was my that was my dad's out, and he never touched a bike. He never, you know. My dad tried a Father's Day race back in the day, and I remember at a harbor, and I remember he. Ooh, those are dangerous. Yeah, yeah. This was it's it's kind of funny because he did this Father's Day race, and he got on my cruiser, and somebody fell in front of him, probably like 30, 40 yards in front of him, easy. And what does my dad do? He locks up at around twenty yards, and just doesn't go left, doesn't go right around him, just goes straight for him and goes over the bars. <laughs> Wow! Yeah. Oh my so, gosh! But after that, he said, "I can't, you know, I can't give you crap for what's going on on the track because it's harder than it looks." Well, that yeah, that's yeah. probably a, probably probably the best way he could have learned because it's easy to coach from the sideline. Right. Right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. But once you're in, so you had a race that you were really bar to bar with Todd Lyons, and that's when you knew that you you had the potential. There, you, we'll I say. mean, I raced Todd a lot, but a lot of just a lot of other guys. I mean, there was a lot of races yeah, good not, with Todd, and a lot of races with. You know, I mean, Todd was on another level anyway. I mean, I wasn't, no, I was never no. as good as Todd was. I mean, I have nothing but respect for him. Um, but he was just one of those guys that I looked at and I was like, man, he wins a lot. And and if he's not out there winning, he's doing something that people are noticing him. And and he was just, he was the whole package. He had the speed, the energy. Yeah. The, I mean, he looked like he was going 110%. Yeah. I just wanted all to beat him. Time. I just wanted to beat him. I'm like right. I just want to be in front of him. Right. You know. Right. And, and all the other guys too. And and yeah. I I remember a race in, I think I want to say I think it was Georgia or, I'm not sure maybe in Carolina somewhere. I remember the main was like, oh, stacked. It was everybody. I think Lawan was in there. Robbie Morales was in there. Yeah. I think Robbie was running for Auburn at the time. And I remember being on the gate for the main. I had gate one and. My dad said to me, he goes, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you win this main. And I said, but it's coming out of your bank account. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's coming out of my, my bank account so you can buy bike parts that you need. Um, so he said, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you win this main. I said, all right. I said, all right. And I didn't realize, like, I was like, ah, oh, whatever, you know, but I didn't realize that that little bit of motivation um, would make a difference. And I remember going into the first corner and getting completely squeezed by everybody yeah and i think todd was actually next to me in two uh-huh. and i had nowhere to go but jump the infield right and i took out the entire pack <laughs> the and i have it on video somewhere so i got to dig that up but i took out right. the entire race yeah and i ended up leading all the way to the last corner and robbie morales um skipped that whole crowd he was in last i believe <laughs> and he missed the whole pile up and then the last corner robbie jumps the infield and lands in front of me, and I wa- and I bump his back tire, oh, no. and I fall over. <laughs> and then we get to the finish line, and he ran over to me. I, I, I talked to him about it at Interbike when I saw him not too long ago. Yeah. We crossed the finish line, and he was like, dude, you're not going to protest, right? I said, no. He's like, you did it in turn one. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to protest, Robbie. I was like, no, it's all good. It's going like, to be a wash, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. And, and I was like, no, congrats. Like, it's all, it's all good. Like, I was friends with Robbie at the time anyway, but it was... Yeah. It was no big deal, but right. I remember that like it was yesterday. That was one of the one of the yeah. one of the big races I I remember and one of the highlights that I remember. Right. It was just a good time back in the day. Everybody was for the most part friends that you know yeah. raced each other. Yeah. Left know. left it on the track. Yeah, we did. I think we did. Yeah. And you know, with uh, and then especially with like Robbie because we all rode in, in New York and and mm-hmm. Shoreham and everything. I don't know if Robbie was living out in California at that time or I don't. I'm not sure, but we were we all knew each other from the East Coast and stuff. Yeah. So it was yeah. all good. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was definitely good guys to race back then, for sure. They're just just good personality, so it was, yeah. it was good. But... It just seemed like everybody was fast Yeah. back then. It was like you never knew who was going to be on that day or who yeah. was comfortable riding that track or or whose home track that was. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was... Like, we talked about this earlier. You mentioned, like, Drew. Like, Drew Jenkins. Yeah. Man, not only was I competing with these guys, but I was fans of these guys. Like... Yeah. Drew, I used to love watching Drew ride a bike. Mm-hmm. He was just, right. in, the way he would come out of a corner to the point where his bars were almost as if he was doing an X up. Like, that's how he torqued yeah. out of a corner. Yep. And he would just whip that bike around. And I was like, man, I wish I could ride like Drew. I could picture it right now. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wish I could ride like Drew. And I was more of a power rider, but Drew was more of that finesse guy. And, and yeah. that probably comes from his tra- when riding his trails and stuff. Oh, but, ton- tons of trails, yeah. Man, I was yeah. never a heavy trails guy. I was... We had trails in Jersey that we rode, but um, nothing like what Drew had or, you know, or what anybody else had out there. Plus, he, he had tremendous upper body strength and was just, he was one of those guys that was an, somewhat of an upright rider, mm-hmm. so he knew how to drive the power straight down, kind of like a Darren Waterbury. Absolutely. But, yeah. he, had, but he had that finesse, right? so it, it looked more natural. Right. You know, nothing against Darren, but it looked a little more natural. It did, it did. It looked like, you know. it looked like he was one with the bike, yeah. basically. I mean, yeah. he had riders that were hitting the gym and, and they were just stiff out there on the bicycle, and then when push came to shove, they would just explode. Yeah, yeah. You know, Drew knew how to ride in a pack, in front, you know, come from behind. Yeah. He was just an all-around you know, all around good rider. And even like, you know, my cycling or BMX career changed drastically when I stopped going to the gym Mm -hmm. because I was going to the gym thinking that was the way to get faster. And one day I just realized it. And I don't know if it was from watching other riders or watching people like Drew. Yeah. um, But I realized the more I ride my bike, the more those muscles will develop. Mm Mm-hmm. And becoming one with that bicycle, I would end up being a better rider. Right. For instance, people like Brian Foster. Sure. You know, like... Never Brian, went to the gym, Brian I'm sure. never went to the gym. No. Brian no. doesn't look like he should be winning races. <laughs> you know, but the best all-around rider you could ever, you know, yeah. you could ever uh, experience. Oh, you could go against Charlie Townsend and, and <laughs> right. just out-finessing. Right. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, a lot changed when I stopped going to the gym. And just started concentrating on riding my bike and going to the trails and trying to get that bike skill up and change um, for the better. You're saying, yeah, yeah, change for the better. I mean, drastically. Like it was like night and day. All of a sudden, I started making mains. I started, um, I started winning mains. Um, I started battling with a lot of a lot of heavy hitters and and stuff like that. Like I remember when we went to I think it was Okihili in uh, I, I'm bad with years, so I'm sorry. That's okay. But. Um, we had a cruiser main, and I think Jeff DeVito posted this not too long ago. He posted a picture, and it was like me, him, uh, Larry Mirsch, oh, that yeah. rode for uh, I think it was Robinson at the time. Yeah, Robinson would have been early nineties. I be- think so. Before or after White Bear, I forget. But yeah, anyway. right. Exactly. Yeah, White Bear. I forgot about White Bear. Yeah. Um, but he was like that fast ABA guy. Right. And that not a lot of people knew of all these ABA guys because back in the day, NBL had all their fast guys. Yeah. And ABA had all their fast guys. Right. And then when they would come over into the NBL, they go, they would, they wouldn't even think anything of them. Like, oh, who's this guy? But then he gets smoked, right, by these guys. Right. And, and I was paying attention to both because I was racing both a little bit, but I knew who Larry was, but I never knew how fast he was. Right. Or Steve Dillard or any oh, of these guys. Oh my God, yeah. these guys were 
just on fire. And I remember going there and 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 uh, getting into the main with 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 Larry and going into the first corner and and just pulling a high low on him and swooping him and holding him off all the way to the last corner. And I knew damn well he was going to blow by me then the last straightaway because there's no way I can hold him off. Yeah. And uh, and I remember going down the last straightaway and just and cutting him off and pushing him off onto the like into the grass. <laughs> All I can with my elbow, you know, just yeah. holding him off into the grass. Yeah. And and at one point I just gave up. I go, I can't hold you off anymore. And I just pulled back onto the track and I just totally let him go. I was just like, that's it. You got it. Because I was like, now I just look like a jerk. <laughs> the straightaway was so long. I was like, if it was maybe, you know, a few yards or something, no big deal. But yeah. that was like, he's got me. I was like, he's basically making me go faster by right. pushing on my arm. Right. <laughs> He's pushing me along. I was like, "He's got it. I got to let him oh, go." That guy was amazing. I remember oh. when you were racing Super. Yeah. Uh, at Columbus, I was racing my last years of 18 to 20 or whatever it was, 21 to 24, I think it may have been actually. Right. Larry Mears was racing then and um, it was a race for second place. Yeah. So I was getting second. I felt like I won. <laughs> but then you watch the video. Right. And Larry Mears beat us by, um, I don't know if you remember the straightaways, but it was the year where the pro section jumped over and then kind of went it jumped the burn. around. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, it. And then you come back into the last mm-hmm. street. He was, he was at the finish line, and we were just entering that last rhythm section. I mean, he was winning by so much. It was... I felt like I won getting yeah, second know, both days because he was so much faster. Yeah. It was totally a race for second. Yeah. So anyways, to be close to Larry or to hold him off for that long, I yep. give you a lot of credit. But that's the type of stuff I'm talking about. I mean, you yeah. you really made an impact to all of us. And so then we kind of segue into Superclass a little bit. How long did you race Super for? Um, not very long. What ended up happening was I turned... Again, I'm not good with years, but I turned super um, because I was like, oh, you know, let me try to make some make some cash, you know, at these races. And, and uh, a lot of the guys were turning up and <laughs> I won a few races, uh, local, not local, but regional races. And mm-hmm. I did well. I made some mains. But then I went to the Grands one year and it was probably the best I ever felt. And I was doing really well in practice. I was hanging with everybody. Back in the day, you could be going down to first straight was a good gauge of where you were at with with heavy hitters because everybody basically full board to the first corner. Then they kind of you know went yeah. easy for the rest of the track. But I was in there, and I I knew I would do well, and I felt good, and I had the confidence going in. But then I said, you know what? Let me go get one more practice lap. Right. And that curse of don't say one more time. I went around the track, and the second straightaway had that set of doubles or a step up in it. And I caught a little bit too much air, and I, I don't know if a little gust of wind came or I just got squirrely. I came down on my right leg and blew out my knee and tore my ACL and coasted the rest of the track to the line. And I remember being on the sideline, or not being on the sideline, but um, some friends were on the sideline and with my dad. Uh-huh. And my, they said my dad, first thing out of his mouth was, Mark's done. That's it. And that was a couple years into Superclass, like two, say? I'd say maybe two. Yeah, two, three years into Superclass. Right. Yeah, right. roughly. Right. And uh, I sat on the sideline with a pair of crutches and yeah. and didn't race. And uh, I think, I don't remember, if they, were they giving out NAG numbers for Super back then? I think they were, right? Yes. Or not NAG numbers, sorry, national numbers. National numbers, yeah. yeah. I believe the 
that may have been the first year of Superclass uh, for numbers, and I think Darren won that year. I think Darren I, Waterbury got yeah. the first Superclass number one. Yeah. And again, I could be wrong, but I think he got the first Superclass number one. Right. And then afterward, I think maybe Barry got it. And yeah. Some of you guys got it. I think you're right. I think you're right. And then I remember being there, and I wanted. I was still. I could still get a number. Right. I think I remember I had uh, a local guy. I don't know if you remember. Remember Matt Sherman. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the Sherman tank. tank. The tank. They called him the Sherman Tank because she just never knew what he was going to do on the track, and he'd blow right through corners and cut corners. And oh, him and I had a couple battles. Uh, yeah, but it, he always had the striped shirt on. Yeah, yeah. He used to yeah. wears Waldo of, of the cruiser class. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He but, was a good guy, and it just yeah, but yeah, he was just definitely. a loose cannon on the track. Yeah, he was fun though. You need personalities like that. You do, you do. And I remember um, being on the sideline and saying, "What am I going to do? I got to roll out of the gate." And he goes, "I'll do it." So. <laughs> So I gave him my bike and I, <laughs> and I gave him my jersey and I said, just do me a favor, just go out there and roll out of the gate for me and you know put a helmet on and put a goggles on and you know put the visor down low. This is statute of limitations uh, yeah. up on this. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to do this back in the day, but but I don't Matt, think you've ever been allowed no, to do this. No, but we had but Matt rolled out of the gate for me and I remember Matt told him I told him I said just don't screw anybody up just. I don't care if you get last place. Just don't but you're try to race. To the I know. That's. I know. I probably shouldn't have. I shouldn't have asked Matt. But of all people, I know. I know. It's probably a mistake. But he was all for it. So, uh, and I thought it'd be funny. I was like, just go out there. Oh my god. So uh, he rolled. Uh, I said, just get last. I don't care. And I remember he told me that he got it, got in the gate. Speaking to Todd, Todd was right next to him. He goes, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, Mark Sherman just rolling out of the gate for me. And he goes, do not screw me up. <laughs> and Todd told him, just don't. Screw me up, or don't you know? I don't think he used that word. I think there was maybe some vulgarity involved. Right, right, right. But you know, but he told him basically just just coast out of the gate, basically. Yeah. I think he ended up getting maybe an eighth, sixth, and maybe a fifth because everybody did crash. He ended up coasting by people. But yeah, right, that right, year right. I didn't even race the main. I mean, race my motos at the Grands. Matt did. At Louisville. <laughs> at Louisville for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so I can get a, a, a number. That might be when you got seventeen. I think. I think you, I, you were seventeen. I think you're right. I think that was when I got seventeen. It's pretty creepy that I know this stuff. Yeah, but, I don't know how you yeah. roll this stuff. <laughs> well, I going through pictures just like you right. go through video i go through pictures and i've got pictures of you at bethel i believe with of course that wouldn't make sense because if you didn't race again after that i don't know when you'd have a 17 on but anyway i have a i have pictures of you with a 17 on yeah yeah um, i raced uh with did, that 17 for a while and then so you did race again after the acl i took uh about a year and a half off obviously because i get surgery right so um, I remember going to the doctor and, and, and being so nervous about it. And, and the doctor said, all right, well, your knee's blown up. So obviously something's wrong. And right. if we're going to draw, you know, put a needle in and draw the fluid. And right. if we get clear liquid, don't worry, you'll be good. It's just cartilage. Yeah. But if we pull blood, then it's, you're, you tore something yeah, really yeah. bad. And I never, it looked down, it was like, it was like a horror show. It was just chunks yeah, of, chunks of blood coming out. Blood, yeah. yeah. And I was like, Oh, you gotta be kidding. I'm like, this sucks. And, right. and, uh, I remember getting surgery and being in the hospital and, and I said, when can I go home after like the, and at the same time, my mother was having my sister. She was in another hospital pregnant, giving, giving birth to my sister. And I'm in a hospital getting knee surgery. So my family's going back and forth between two hospitals. Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember being in the hospital wanting to go home, and, and uh, I said, when can I go home? And they had me hooked up to this machine that was bending my knee for me, stretching out the ligament. I said, when you reach 90 degrees, you can go home. Oh, God. So I said, all right, crank it up. 
<laughs> so <laughs> you're talking to talking to a BMXer. Yeah. When you yeah. get to 90 degrees, all right, I'll, I'll be yeah. I'll, I'll be there in five minutes. That's what I. That's exactly it. I told him, I said crank it up, and they said, well, then they they were like they kept coming in. They're saying, you all right? I said, yeah. Turn it up more. Crank it up. Crank it up. And I was sitting there just in bed, just grunting. Oh, you know, just taking the pain. And and I think they said, you know, you should have been here about six days. You left after three. Oh. So I went home, yeah. and uh, I got my, you know, I was, I was miserable. I put my family through, through hell, probably through that. We got a brand new baby upstairs screaming, yeah. and I'm sleeping and laying on the couch downstairs, yeah. a miserable sob, you know. And uh, but yeah, I gotta give my family credit, <laughs> my parents. But um, wow. but yeah, so I, I did. Eventually, I did come back. Uh-huh. I had a CTI brace. Mm-hmm. And I came back racing amateur. Right. I reclassed down to amateur because uh, I just wasn't. I couldn't race um, pro or, or right. whatever it was at that point. B pro or super. I don't know what That's it was. Maybe when I raced you again because you were racing cruiser. Yeah. Yep. The TNT uniforms turned to black at that black point. and purple kind of yeah. and white. Yep. Yeah. So I think I raced you at like I remember South Park vividly. Yeah. In races like that, so that was when you reclassified. That was actually probably the one of the best years I had was when I just came back. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know what it was, and maybe the doctors told me that your right knee's gonna end up being stronger than your left because you're working it out so much more. Right. And I had full atrophy in my right leg. I had nothing. It was like an arm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. I was riding road bikes. I was training with my uh, with my cousins. Right. I would I was working with my dad at that point, and he would drop me off at. Warnaco Park in in Rawway, New Jersey, and at six in the morning, and I would ride the park road bikes with my with my cousins. Yeah. Then I'd ride my bike to to work. Yeah. I'd work there all day long, and then grab my BMX bike and hit the trails with everybody. Okay. So it was every single day. That's yeah. all we did. Yeah. It was a routine, and uh, my cousins were helping me get back, get my leg back, and get them you know get the muscle back, and. Uh, I started winning. I started winning cruiser races and making almost all my mains that yeah. year, and went into the grands. Actually, tied for number one in cruiser with uh, myself, Larry Mirsch again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Corey Denberger. Right. I'll never mm-hmm. forget Corey because Corey was—he's one of those riders that kind of sticks in my, in my head because every time we go to a race, I never understood how Corey smoked. Yes, <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah, but destroyed us on a BMX track. Right. I right. mean, and not even just like smoked, like by you know, and by his car, or smoked like in a woods somewhere, smoking a cigarette, in walking staging. up to the gate and staging. <laughs> like Corey will walk up to the gate and go, "All right, you know, get in your, get you know, right, right. get in the gate." Corey's right. like, "Wait a minute, throw the cigarette down on the ground, oh my God. put it out on the ground, then get in the gate and destroy the heck out of and us." And he was skinny stuff. too, and he was a thin guy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, God, yeah. this guy's fast. Yeah. But uh, we all went into the grands tied, and uh, in this, like, we all and we all perfected our motos. Yeah. Again, all of us, we went into the semis and quarters and or eights, quarters and semis. Yeah. We we all won them except when the semi came. It was me and Larry. I think it was in Memphis. Was it Memphis that year? I think it was Memphis. Yeah, had that yeah. big drop indoor. off indoor. Yeah, yeah. And wooden, uh, wooden yeah. bridge drop off and then you come under before the last three right exactly and yeah. then uh going into the first corner there was a big roller and i was speed jumping it all weekend no problem 
and I guess the added pressure of having Larry up. No, there was no one next to me all weekend. I was always the guy in front. Sure. And then all of a sudden, Larry's right next to me, and maybe I felt the pressure or what, but I bonked it, and I went over the bars. Oh no! And I just and I, I ate it hard, and I was so devastated that I didn't even ride, roll the rest of the track. I picked my bike up over the rail, handed it to somebody, and just sat under the bleachers for probably a good hour, and. Wow. That's and I didn't make the main and then I just I watched the main go and it was like Corey and and Larry yeah. on the outside yeah. and I was like and I kept envisioning it I'm like I know I'd have the inside if I was in that main I knew I would have had the inside if I was in that main because they were on the outside right, and right. they were fighting it out on the outside Yeah. and if I remember correctly I think I think Larry was leading I think Corey got him at the line or something did he? I think he I, I could be wrong I don't remember but I think he did he smoked him? <laughs> he smoked them literally. Yeah, he smoked them literally. Yeah, on and oh. off the track. So uh, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so I ended up walking out with nag, uh, number three, right? For there, which again, I mean, it's still not bad, but I no. wanted, I wanted one. Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. and you and you had every every bit of potential to do it. So right. I mean, that was a time when I was going to races, and I wasn't even telling people I was going to races. Like you know, back in the day when. You remember you get together with friends and yeah. you travel and right and you you know you get together in a car and go. I would go by myself. Yeah. Just to, I didn't want anybody to know where I was going. Right. I'd show up in at, at Nellis in in Las in Vegas. Oh my gosh. I'd show up at all these races, but and then people would see results. Go, you went there? Like, yeah. yeah why yeah. didn't you tell me? Right. Like, right. You know, I'm I'm on my own. Right. Plan. I'm right. on my own agenda. <laughs> I'm going after number one. I want number one. Right. And I wouldn't because, even tell anybody because you didn't care about rider points in those days. No. Because it was NBL. It was all right. moto points and main. Right. And I, I never really raced ABA back in the day. I wasn't. I was more of an NBL guy. Yeah. So, Which uh, reminds me, before we go too far, do you remember your MDL license number for your 20? 67126. I got to be on that one, 63267. Ah. But we were just, the funny thing is we were just talking about that with Susie, because yeah. that was a question from Drexel Drew Jenkins, ah. was, uh, because he is in the fives, I believe. Okay. And, and of course, Doug Luden was, is like one nine something. I was going to say. He is. I'm surprised he's not, he's you know. one of the lowest I know. He, oh, yeah. He was so low. But back then, that's how, when you look through the results or the standings, mm-hmm. you would, you'd be able to check standings and look to the left and see the, the membership number and you'd know how long they'd been racing for. And then it would kind of give you an idea, like, I didn't Whoa, know that. Whoa, this guy's got experience. I had no idea. I guess I overthought things, but <laughs> <laughs> but I remember looking in that MBL paper because it would list everything. Yeah. You know, and they don't yeah. do that now with, with USA BMX. Everything's online. Right, right, right. So, um, it was something yeah. about that paper. Remember getting that paper? Oh, it was awesome getting that paper. It had everything in it. Plus, you, even though the picture would be the worst quality ever, yeah. you would still hope to get a picture in that, yeah. in that, in that paper because... <laughs> It was like getting a picture in the magazine, only it was It was like, a big deal. Yeah. It was a, I remember when I got, I, I ended up getting the cover of Bicycles Today one year uh, from from Shoreham. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I ended up going to Shoreham and winning three out of four mains at the Shoreham race. Shoreham, uh-huh. and I, I, don't, I don't know if it was regional or not, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I ended up winning three out of four. I was leading the fourth main and I slipped both pedals and I rode the crossbar. And I think Drew won. Oh, that okay. One. And I ended up getting after that, and after that was the Christmas Classic. Yeah. So, at that the Christmas Classic, Bicycles Today always came out right before that. So it was right at that race. Yeah. And people were coming up to me saying, "Hey, did you see Bicycles Today?" I said, "No, I didn't see it." Like, "Oh, you got to check out Bicycles Today." So why did everybody keep telling me to check out Bicycles Today? I had no idea. So, little did I know that we went to dinner that night, 
And my dad slides bicycles today across the table. And he goes, here you go. I was like, holy crap. I was like, I'm on a cover. He goes, yeah. I go, why didn't you tell me this earlier? Because you owe me a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you if you got on the cover, you'd owe me a hundred bucks. <laughs> Your dad should be here for this oh interview. Oh, my God. It, it's funny because we're actually... My dad's turning 70 next week. Yeah. And tonight, we're throwing him a 70th birthday party. Oh, are you? Surprise yeah, so party? He knows. It's not a surprise, oh, okay. but I got my family coming in from Florida. Nice. And so we're going to uh, a restaurant tonight. We're throwing a party for him tonight, 70th. So it's going to be a good oh, time. That's awesome. I'll make sure I tell him he said hello. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he remembers you. He remembers a lot of them. It was great to see him two years ago at Egg Harbor. It was, it was great. Yeah, I, 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 I said, do you want to come? And he says, yeah, I'm going to come out, you know. And he came yeah. and he, he goes, oh, it's so different. Yeah. You know, because it doesn't seem as like, this is his for, uh, his take on it. He said, it doesn't seem as big as it used to be. Yeah. And yeah. I said, well, you're partially right. Yeah. You know, it's different. Yeah. It's a different time. And right. back in the day, you were more into it as opposed to now you just kind of come and spectate, you know. Right. But um, he drove out to Columbus, Ohio one year also, just went out there watch races and turn around and went home oh when you were already there yeah when i out. was there already yeah yeah wow. yeah but huh. I, but I, back to what i was saying about the bicycles today i said why didn't you show me this earlier he says well i wanted you to concentrate on practice i didn't want you to to, yeah. to, to, to dwell or harp on or, or you know about the magazine i wanted you to be out there doing what you have to do right i said all right that's my that was my dad yeah <laughs> that Fair was my enough. dad yeah he was you know looking back he was, i realized how smart he actually was you know very i mean, no no yeah. doubt let's um Let's kind of segue into TNT the business. At, okay. at what point did TNT start? What year? Oh, roughly, I'd say, eighty-five when it was turned into turned into a legitimate business. Mm-hmm. My dad has a um, he still has it to this day. Sure. He has an eight thousand square foot building in Linden, where his business is uh, well built industries. He does basically it's a job shop, tool and die machine shop. Um, it's an old trade. It's a dying trade. Um, but that's what he knows when he came here from Poland. Back mm-hmm. in the day, that was a trade he knew. And he worked for somebody else. And then he started his own business. And and uh, I started getting into racing at that point. And I was already working at my dad's shop um, at a young age. My mom would actually take me out of school. and Because my dad didn't have money to pay anybody pay employees when he was first right. starting out and he would take me my mom would take me from school yeah. and drop me off at his shop and i would sit there on a drill press you know drilling doing countersinking or you know or tapping you know threat you know, threading uh whatever job he had right. at the time and i remember i remember like it was yesterday he said oh i got someone coming to for a meeting i need you to go hide in the office because i was yeah, you know, I was young. I was yeah, yeah. underage. I was child labor. I shouldn't have been working. Right. You know, but right. I was uh, working for my dad at a very young age. So when everybody was out there, you know, after school hanging out and doing their thing, I was at my dad's shop, you yeah. know, working, helping, helping pops out. And uh, but to uh, to jump ahead a little bit, my dad saw that I was into into biking and and basically started looking at the bike parts, and I was breaking them, you know, breaking stems or or you know, C-clamp, whatever, whatever part was on the bike, and my dad's like, I can make that, you know, yeah. simple, it's just a stem, you know, pressed in shaft, sure. and uh, I could do this stuff, so we started making it, and putting on my bike for me to test it, mm-hmm. and race with it, and all of a sudden, people started noticing it, and saying, oh, what's that, you know, checking it out, and, and then asking if my dad could make them one, so from there, he made them one, and then he made someone else one, and 
and then we it started it started growing and, and then you got into making hub sets and I think first was stems and then C clamps because they were easy sure simple uh, you know block of aluminum right and then uh, then he started making hub sets you know I think he bought a set of GTs or, or something back in the day and he basically looked at it and said this is easy I could do this and started making hub sets yeah. and uh, it kind of took off from took off from there and uh, eventually got into frame sets and but we didn't know how to make frame sets at all. I mean, frames sure. were another level. We didn't know what, sure. how to do that. And so we reached out to, um, I don't know if you want me to go down this path, but we reached out to Speed oh, yeah. Unlimited. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they were in Wayne, New Jersey. It was just convenient because they were close to us. Yeah. That's Thruster. That's That was Thruster. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah. Speed this Unlimited was Thruster. Okay. And uh, it was the only place that we knew of that was local. Hmm. So we went to go see them, and I remember walking into there, walking in there with my dad. I forgot how old it was at this point, but I think it must have been around maybe 15 or so, 15, 16. And uh, they weren't doing anything. I mean, they were just sitting at the desk, and nothing was being made, nothing was being done. And they were getting out of it. By I then, think they I were on the way out of it. Yeah, they were. It was. It was so slow that there was nothing. I mean, there was two guys there, and nothing was being fired up. Nothing was. There was no working right. whatsoever. So they agreed to make our first prototype frame and uh they did and it was a little out of whack you know sure. things were off but we had, that, that's the process you know you made a right. frame tweaked it made another one tweaked it made another one so uh right after that they went out of business they actually called us up and said hey i know you guys are looking for us to, to make your frames but we're we're closing shop it's just you know we're going under and at that point they were making bikes for hutch they were making bikes for um, yeah patterson um wow. they were making they made, I don't know if you remember, remember Rob Hughes had that Mr. Sticks wedge? I do. Okay, they made that bike. Really? Yeah. The reason I know is because when they told us they were going under, they were going to have a public auction, they allowed us to go in before the public auction and take whatever we wanted. Really? I mean, purchase it, of course, but yeah, 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 we yeah. had first dibs on anything sure. there. So I remember my dad went in there and he bought all their raw, raw material, yeah. everything that they had, right. and boxes of... Uh, they also made vectors. Remember vector? They made vector. They made vectors. Oh, no way. So we bought all these vector complete bike kits. We all these vector complete bike kits with plastic seats and you know, I mean, just garbage components in there. But we bought all that. We ended up picking up, I think, one or two Hutch jigs. Yeah. Um, the a lot of their jig must have been crazy because they had that double t uh, bottom tube. We didn't get, we didn't get the tube. vector jig, jig, but we did. Maybe they they took that or something and got that. But we ended up getting some hutch fixtures. Yeah. Um, and which was huge back then. I'm oh sure. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's probably way. You know, right after after that, they were probably making hutch was making their own bikes or whatever. But sure. But uh, we picked up all that stuff and then they closed down and we didn't know what we were going to do, so. We reached out to, if I remember correctly, the Martinos. Yeah. They had Psychocraft, I think, yeah. around that time. And back then, it was, everybody was willing to help each other out. You know, we right. became friendly with the Martinos, and they were welding up bikes for us for a little bit. Um, and I don't know how, I was still kind of young. My dad was handling it at that point, but it shifted gears over to getting bikes made by Greg Esser in, in Florida. Right. And Greg was making MCSs and, and a bunch of other bikes, and sure. that didn't work out. Right. That didn't work. I think he was more into his his uh, 
I don't know, his race cars or drag cars or something. He was more right. into, into racing the vehicles. Sure. Um, so he, he was kind of getting out of out of making frames. Right. But then uh, somehow, I don't know how, but my dad struck a deal with GT. Really? And we signed a contract with Rich Long at GT mm-hmm. for them to make frames for us. I think at this point they were making, I don't know if they owned Robinson and Powerlite at this point, but they were making all those frames. Those were all their brands. Yeah, yeah. So they started making frames for us, and it started out with low minimums. They, you know, they can make, we can make 50 of each frame. And we only made two, a Pro and a Pro XL. Yeah. And, uh, only 20 inch. Only 20 inch and only Chrome. That's all yeah. we made. Kept it simple. And uh, then all of a sudden they started bumping up quantities on us. Maybe it was becoming too much of a hassle for them. They said, well, if, you know, if you can do 100 of each, it's worth our time. So we bumped it up to 100 of each. So and we were doing that. We're doing you know making easy two hundred frames at a clip. And at this time we were we had one of the top race teams out there and we also co sponsored dance competition. And Terry so, Sonner ran so both this teams. This would have been early nineties for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. And and Terry was running both teams for us. Oh and Dan's and T and T. Dan's and T and T and all the Dan's guys were on T and T's. Yeah. We had T and T there was T and T's everywhere. Right, and I remember Dan Dan Duckworth before uh-huh. you know before it, he sold the business right. told us flat out because you guys have the number one selling frame really? in my in my in my store like yeah. and obviously it helped because co-sponsor them and they were pushing sure. pushing the brand sure but um and then I remember GT I think bumped up the quantities again and made us sort of like maybe 150 each or so but long story short one day they just contacted us our rep contacted us and said we can't make the frames anymore. <gasps> GT. GT. Oh my God. So, and this is after Rich Long passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I was like, oh my, what are we going to do now? Which was late. Late. Uh, I would say it's probably mid. Yeah, yeah mid 90. Yeah, I forget when he passed away. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in there. I, again, I'm, not, I'm bad with years, but yeah. it, was, right. it was definitely after Rich passed. Uh huh. And um, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know how to make frames. We didn't know how to make frames, weld frames. We didn't know how to do any of that. Stems, anything out of aluminum, no problem. Right. right. Um, so I said, well, at least can we buy the fixtures? And they said, no, we don't do that. We don't sell the jigs. But I remember looking through, I went through the old contract that we signed with Rich, and in there it said that at any point we wanted to purchase the fixtures, we could purchase them for roughly, I think, 1500 bucks or something. I could be wrong, maybe 12 maybe somewhere in that ballpark, though. Oh, nice. Okay. And I remember contacting my rep, circling it, and sending them over, saying, you know, I found this in the, in the contract. There's any way we can arrange pickup for the fixtures. And... Uh, I said, yep, it's in there, no problem, you can have them. Again, we still don't know how to make bikes. Sure. So, like, at least if we get the jigs, we can, it's one step in the right direction. So, and and actually, I I cleared this story with with Craig Turner, because I know he's doing bikes again with G2 and his dad. Uh, Because once in a while I post online, like, the history of TNT, and and I posted this little thing, and I asked him if it was okay if I could post it. And he said, yeah, by all means. And Gary confirmed it. He's like, yep, it's fine. You can share it. It's pretty much how it all went down. Yeah. So um, we, I went there. I flew into GT. And and I, 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 the only reason I, I, I tell this story and I enjoy telling the story is because it basically, first of all, blew my mind. And it gave me a whole new level of respect for the folks at GT. Um, I went there and I sat in a meeting with my rep at that point. I think it's when they had Rightway, and he said, uh, "You know, I know we're not going to be making your frames anymore. We can arrange to ship the fixtures back and everything. And what are you going to do?" I said, "I don't know. We're, you know, we'll figure it out." And uh, he says, "Well, 
I'll be right back. And he comes back in. He goes, hey, did you ever meet Gary Turner? And I said, no, I never met him. He goes, well, he knows who you are, and he wants to talk to you after we're done. So I said, okay. And so we're done with our meeting. I walked out, and, and Gary holds his hand out. I shook his hand. He says, Mark. I said, yeah. And he goes, Gary. And I said, oh, I know who you, I know who you are. You know, I looked at him as a god. You know, this is Gary Turner. I've known you since I was ten. Yeah, pretty much. You know. So uh, he says, I understand. We're not going to be making your frames anymore. I said, yeah. He says, well, grab a pad and pen. I'm going to walk you through the factory and show you how to make bikes. Are you kidding me? No, that's exactly because I'm going to show you how to make frames or make bikes. And I said, okay. So I, I grabbed a little yellow, you know, sketch pad and, and a pencil. And we probably spent a good hour to two hours walking through the facility. And, you know, he showed me how to make how to make jigs for handlebars and show me how the frames are done and, and everything. And and I went back to, to Linden. My dad said, how'd it go? I said, well, I got notes. And it's a bunch of chicken scratch. You know, nothing, nothing fancy. Just a bunch of chicken scratch on a yellow pad. And... He says, "All right, let's see if we can do this." So we started making, started making frames. And I remember when we left, Gary said, "If you ever have a problem, you know, let me know. Feel free to give give me a call, and I'll I'll try to help you out." Mm -hmm. Not thinking that I would ever have to, or right. thinking that I probably would. But what's the odds of Gary Turner picking up the phone? Right. You know, like, come right. on, this is, you know, a better chance of calling God. You know, right. right. He got rid of me. We're done. Yeah, I'm out of I'm out of the picture. I'm I'm gone. My, he's washed my washed his hands with me, and I'm I'm right. out. I'm done. Right. He got rid of me finally. Yeah. So uh, we started making frames and figuring out as we go, but in all our frames, the welds started cracking on all the frames, and I we didn't know why. You know, we had no idea. And uh, my dad says, "Well, Gary said you can call him." I said, "All right." So let me try. I called the office. I called there and I said, "Can I speak to Gary Turner?" How many times does that call come in? You know. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm like, he's not good, Gary. She goes, oh, hold on one second. Who's calling? I gave her my name, and she goes, and, hey, Mark, it's Gary. I'm like, oh, holy crap, Gary Turner's on the phone, you know? Right. And uh, he goes, what's up? I said, we're having problems with the frames, and all our welds are cracking, and he goes, you're using the wrong welding rod. It was as simple as that. As simple as that. He goes, you're using 4130 chromoly welding rod. He goes, you can't use that. He goes, that's not the welding rod you use for the frames. Change it to this, this, and this, and, and it should solve your problem. I mean, in a matter, I mean, less than, less than a two minute conversation on the phone. He knew what the problem was right away. Oh my God. And that's someone who truly knows what the heck they're doing, yeah. you know? And, uh, it's funny cause I, I just, I saw Bob Harrow at Tulsa this uh -huh. past week and he was, he stopped by our booth and he was looking at the stuff and he, and he called me over or I went up to him cause it was Bob Harrow yeah. and we started talking a little bit and, uh, same thing. I kind of told him a little bit about the story cause he asked about TNT and I explained to him a little bit about the history. Mm -hmm. And I told him that story. He goes, "That's someone who knows their, their knows yeah. the bike business, and knows engineering and everything." So, right, it solved the problem. We changed the welding rods, and, and uh, we didn't have a problem after that moving forward. So we started making our own frames, own chromoly frames, anyway. Until when? When did chromoly frames? Uh, when did you cease making those? Or uh, have you? Maybe no, not. we made them. We kept we kept making them, and but then we saw that everything was kind of switching over to aluminum. Right at the time, and. Again, we didn't have enough experience making aluminum frames, so we reached out to, you know, who was the number one company out there making aluminum frames at that time, or who had the most experience making aluminum frames? That's been doing it forever. Right. SC. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had the PK Ripper, and that bike was the aluminum bike to have if you if you want the aluminum frame. Yeah, right. So we reached out to them. That's when Mike Devitt 
and uh, and Sal were, were working there, and we basically hooked up with them, and they were making, they started making our our aluminum uh, C4 and Superfong frame at that point for us, yeah, because we just didn't have enough experience with aluminum. Yeah. Chromoly wasn't a problem. Right. We had that we figured that out, but we didn't. We probably could have done it. We just didn't want to take a chance. Okay. You know, let's go to the pros, somebody who knows what they're doing. So, was there a gap for TNT as a business, or was, has TNT been solid ever since the '80s all the way through? No. Um, what ended up happening was as in production. As in production, I ended up stopping racing. Mm-hmm. Um, not well. You know what? Let's, let me let me go back a little bit. Sure. I got. I was working in the office. I was racing. It was basically all me. Um, doing the day in and day out, obviously with with friends working there, and Dougie worked there, Doug worked there, Lumen, uh, Chris Diaz worked there, uh, Dave Pawson worked there. Yeah. Um, so many people, you know, from New Jersey area worked there at one point or another. So I can't say it was by, by myself, but I was, you know, racing. I was running TNT at that point. My dad kind of put everything in my hands, well, because he so he can concentrate on his business, and I just got burnt out. Yeah. Um, so, and that was a, a crazy time in BMX too. That's when all the big companies were coming in. You know, Huffy was involved. So this uh, was late eighties or late nineties now. Late nineties now. Yes, yeah. yeah. so Schwinn was involved. Oh yeah. Uh, Trek was there. You know, all these big companies. So heavy on aluminum. Oh, heavy on aluminum, and 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 everybody had a dually, and everybody had trailers, and yeah. everybody had a big impact at the races. You know, you walk in, you see a, a big Huffy trailer, you were intimidated by that. Oh, money know? was flying. Money man. was flying around all over the place. Pros were getting paid. Right. It was good, right? But then all those companies realized that they're not going to make money in BMX. No, not, not sustainable. No, and they all decided to get out and they dumped their products on on the industry, and uh, everybody bought you know seventy five dollar Specialized and seventy five dollar Huffies and yeah. seventy five dollar Treks and 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 it hurt us. We couldn't you know couldn't keep up with it, and I it was I was getting burnt out. Yeah, and yeah. I just needed to to stop, so we kind of closed the doors mm-hmm. for a little while, and then um, I went on to work. For, now I wasn't riding, I wasn't racing at this point. I completely stopped. Right. Uh, I went on to work for an engineering firm, doing uh, technical recruiting and sales uh-huh. for a recruiting company, actually through an old BMXer friend. Uh, remember Jeff Lamb? Yes. Okay. I yeah. ended up going. Jeff asked me if I want. He goes, "What are you gonna do now?" I said, "I don't know." He goes, "Well, I, do, I work for this company," and I ended up working with him. Sure. Uh, for this engineering firm. Right. Uh, doing recruiting and sales, and I did that for probably eleven years or so. Wow. Yeah, ten, eleven years, and I still kind of watched what was going on with BMX, and I still kind of, I mm-hmm. still enjoyed it because I couldn't stand my job right. as a recruiter. I right. couldn't stand it. Right. Um, but this is when I met my wife and. You know, uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna try to start a family. Sure, stability. Stability, number one. one. Right. Got to have the nine to five job. Yeah. And uh, we had our first child, and she was born two months premature. Mm-hmm. And she spent 64 days in the NICU, intensive care, and then about four months later, after that, my wife had a stroke. Oof. So, and they thought it was they couldn't figure out why they couldn't figure out what was going on. So she went through rehab and everything, speech therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, the whole nine yards. She spent time, you know, staying at a at a rehab center. And again, I had no thoughts of bringing TNT back at this point at all. But I always had the idea that you know maybe one day, maybe one day. And then after 
my wife got healthy, she had um, heart surgery. After she got healthy, the doctors gave her a clean bill of health, and we tried to, we decided to try to have another child. Right. And I was thinking about bringing TNT back at this point, and I was kind of on the cusp of it, but I, for some, something told me, let's just have our second child and, you know, get through this, and then maybe, maybe, still not a definite. Sure. But uh, we had our second child, and everything was great. Baby was full term, no complications whatsoever. Four months later, almost to the day, my wife has a second stroke again. So now she's. This would have been just a couple of years ago. This I have two kids now. My daughter's gonna be eight next next week, mm-hmm. and a two year old son. Got it. Yeah. So um, at this point, I was still working for the engineering firm. And obviously, my wife wasn't working. It was just me. Right. And we sold our sold our condo. We moved in with my parents. Um, first of all, because we had to pay medical bills, mm. and we had to uh, we needed somebody to help with the baby. Mm. So my mom basically raised my daughter for the first year and a half, almost two years. Right. And um, so after my wife had the, the second stroke, luckily we found we we found her. Uh, soon enough that she got medical attention when she needed it so it wasn't as drastic as the first one but again st- a scary situation sure. so she's on blood thinners now for the rest of her life she's taking uh, Zarelto right but uh I was still doing engineering uh recruiting and sales but I was miserable I was bringing that anger and frustration home and I was just and I lo- one day I looked around I remember sitting in the office and looking around and and seeing everybody overweight and smoking and drinking at lunch yeah. and I'm like if I stay here I'm going to end up like them or I'm going to I'm not going to make it to 50 because these guys are coughing up lungs right. you know it's like this is not the place for me right. so I, I, I cut a deal with them where I said I need to be close to home now because my family's my wife you know recovering from a stroke we have the babies I need to be close to home so they allowed me to work from home for a while and I couldn't I couldn't stand the I, again I couldn't stand the job so I was planning my exit to get out of there, and I think back in the back of my mind, I kind of wanted to do TNT again at this point. I was already kind of having my dad make samples for me and kind of get things rolling. I kind of saw the writing on a wall that I wasn't going to be there any longer, but I wrote it out. I wasn't going to be the one to quit because I knew that if I quit, I wouldn't get um, unemployment. Right. <laughs> unemployment right. insurance. Sure. Or an unemployment check, and I would need that to basically segue over. So I waited to the, as long as I possibly could, and perfect timing. They basically came to me and said, "We're gonna lay you off," um, and they did. And I walked into the house. I remember because I had a, I was working from a home office. I walked walked to the house. I told my wife, I said, "All right, well that's it. Let's go to lunch and figure out a game plan because I just lost my job and we gotta figure out what I'm gonna do." So we sat down at the table at a diner, I think it was, mm-hmm. and my wife just said, "She goes, why don't you start TNT again?" I said, are you sure? You know, I've been talk- I've been thinking about it. And she goes, yeah, you kind of talk about it all the time. You kind of, I could see your, your passion for it. You really enjoyed it. Your parents tell me all about it back in the day. It seems like you were in a happy place when you were doing it. And I said, are you sure you want me to do this? Because it's not going to be easy. Right. You know, it's going to be a lot of work. And uh, she said, I remember, I remember she said, all I ask is that you don't dip into the family's family money or family fund or anything like that. Sure. Because we have children and everything. And I said, all right. If I can figure out a way to do it, I will. And so I got to give her 
I gotta give credit where credit's due. She, I gotta give it to her for giving me that little kick in the, kick in the ass, if you want to split it, or push to do it. Right. Because if, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And uh, I remember Interbike was coming around, and and uh, my wife said to me, she was like, "Are you gonna go?" I said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go. You told me not to dip into the fund. I don't want to go. And blah blah blah. She goes, "You'll figure out a way." And I, <laughs> and I remember. And this was 14 or 15? 2014 or 15? This was, um, I think it's about 14. Yeah, yeah. around 14. Right. 2014, uh, I started going through all my old NOS stuff and all my yeah. old BMX parts and started selling everything off online. And, and this is when I just got, like a, just got on like a Facebook and I started selling stuff off and all the NOS stuff, old stuff, anything I could find. That's how you, get, you got your capital going for this? Well, I got all the capital to get TNT going basically by selling off old NOS stuff or old yeah. parts that I could find. I remember, I remember trying to figure out how I'm going to pay for my airline ticket to go to, yeah. to Vegas, and I remember digging up some old, digging in some old boxes and finding an old Odyssey gyro, and it had oil on it from sitting on, in the bottom of a box, and and but it was still sealed. And I remember putting it on eBay, and I was like, ah, so 20 bucks, whatever, you know, just see where it goes. Right. And I remember when the auction finally ended, it was like. 390 bucks or something oh my god for an odyssey gyro and i was like holy crap i was like there's my airline ticket yeah right to vegas right so i i that, that, that's how i got to vegas for interbike and went to interbike and started and i was nervous i mean i have to admit i was i stood at that door and i was sweating and i yeah. remember calling my wife right before i walked in saying i'm nervous to do this because yeah. i haven't been here in a long time right i'm putting myself out there now right. again and She's like, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. Just take a deep breath and walk in there and it'll all come back. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking in there and, and, and running into people and bumping into people and yeah. And I have to say, it was like, I couldn't believe how warm of a welcome I got from people that remember yeah. TNT. Right. Um, and it was, it, it was overwhelming. I mean, I remember hooking up with people and they said what are you doing I said well I'm starting TNT again and uh, and anything you need just let me know here's my card just call me anything you need just let me know we'll we'll get you set up and and get you rolling sure and and they did and they did and I remember going to to go see the folks over at 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 Quality Bicycle Products they were one of our distributors back in the day going to see them and I remember giving a card to one of their reps and him saying Mark don't go anywhere he goes I know you know, so and so's here. He's gonna want to see you, and I haven't seen him in or talked to him in ten, yeah, twelve years or whatever it was. You know, right. but um, so I ran into them. You know, opened up and you uh, reopened, rekindled that that relationship. And I remember going to see uh, the folks at WPS at Fly just to kind of like walk yeah. through and say hello. Sure. And I remember going through there and giving them one of my cards. Again, I'm now I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I'm like, you know, uh, right. you know, right. It's it's I'm putting myself back out there. Is this yeah. going to work? Is it not going to work? Sure. And I remember the guy from WPS even just uh, handing him my card while in passing, and I said, "Hey, I just want to give you my card." And he stops and he goes, "TNT, same TNT, like Derringer Revolver TNT back in the day." I go, "Yeah." He goes, "All right." And uh, and he says, "All right, stay in touch or something like that, whatever." And then that was it. But I couldn't re- I couldn't fathom how many people still remembered and we're still kind of excited about it yeah and and i guess and i wasn't even thinking about it but now that i look back 
the timing was actually ideal because now I'm a father. Right. There's people that I race now are, are parents, right. and they they have their their kids involved in BMX. Right. So these parents remember 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 TNT. Right. And they trusted it back in the day. Right. And are now like, well, hey, you know, I rode this back in the day. I trust it. I'm gonna put my kid on this. Yeah. So honestly, I think if I if it was a few years later, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have worked. The timing. Was the just timing. Really good. I think the timing was right. And yeah. I remember running into Ryan Burke at the Grands uh, last year, yeah. and and him saying, "This your timing was dead on." I said, "Really? Why?" He goes, "And we talked about that." And he goes, "It's dead on. It's the perfect timing yeah. for you to come back and do this." Yeah. And he said, "He goes, you're going to do. It's going to work. It's, you're going to do well with this because you know what you're doing." Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you know you, you have self doubt, and sometimes people just giving that little extra reassurance, sure, you know, gives you the drive that you need to, to keep going. And and uh, and Ryan was actually one of the first people I reached out to when I was kind of bringing TNT back because he was still an answer. And I said, oh, you know, I'm doing this, and he said, what do you need? I said, oh, I need an account to start, you know, buying parts or you know, buying rims because I'm going to start building wheels and things. Oh, right. Okay. So Ryan hooked me up and got me rolling, and and. Uh, and then from there went on to you know to talk to other companies and so on and so forth. But again, just the fact that people were willing to you know open their arms and say, "Yeah, come on, you know we did business with you back in the day. Right. What do you need to do? Well, how do you know? We'll start you off slow and get you rolling." And and uh, and they did. And without probably without social media, I don't think I could. It wouldn't. I wouldn't think I'd even be here now. You know, because right. social media nowadays is just so powerful you know you can do so much with social media um with people just going back and looking at the history of of tnt and mm-hmm. and uh like with the old videos that we talked about posting sure. old videos race videos yeah. people didn't even know i raced right you know i'm gonna talk to to marge kaminsky last week you know louie her son rides for us now oh, right and uh she goes mark i watched those races because you were quite the little racer back in the day that's why I wanted to talk to you today, you know, to help put those connections together for people because, you know, it's easy for newer families right. to just assume that you're a new company in the game, right. not realizing how deep the history is right. in your own, you're not just selling it, you, you actually wrote it, you actually, right. you actually know what you're talking about. But when you're going through it, you don't even think about those things, you're just doing it. No. But now looking back I can I see that and uh, and obviously yourself probably an outsider looking in mm-hmm. same thing you see it even more so mm-hmm. but I didn't realize it back then I'm just riding my bike you know having a good time and yeah yeah you know, right and I like I said I wasn't that good of I wasn't that good of a racer back in the day starting out and I always wanted to be better but um just going out there and like I said before, I was not just racing these guys, but I looked up to these guys. Like, I was right. fans of these guys, you know. Right. You know, Eric Carter and and you know I have I used to tell my dad videotape Eric Carter, videotape this one, videotape that one because I liked watching their races yeah, and right. analyzing their races and right. and just and analyzing my competition and right. you know and oh, I could beat that guy. I know I could beat that right. guy. And so uh, let's yeah. se- let's segue into the team, okay? Because we got a pretty good idea of the company mm-hmm. and. Well, one more quick question on sure. on TNT itself. So, so the 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 biggest mover for you is uh, would you say wheels, hubsets and wheels, hubsets and wheels, which yeah. 
You make personally yourself, right? I handle every single wheel. Set. Every single wheel. Set, every which, one that goes out the door. Which is amazing to me because you are pumping out a lot of wheel sets. I've got two sets right here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in, in the back of the van. But that, you, that kind of happened by accident, out. to be honest with you. Really? Well, but, but you enjoy doing it. Is it somewhat it's therapeutic? Therapy. It is. Yeah, okay. It is. I mean, I wasn't. The plan wasn't to make wheel sets. It was like when we first started coming back, I was kind of pushing the hub sets. Right. But no one was biting, because yeah. all the new people didn't really know the the brand or recognize TNT, or you know everybody's running the, the latest and greatest that's out there now, and these brands were so established. And I would talk to distributors and dealers, and and we had a hard time getting people to to bite on it. I said, well, what am I going to do now? I made all these make all these hub sets. I got to get them going. I got to get them out there. So I thought, you know what? Let me try to start building wheel sets and supply people with, you know, a wheel set ready to go right out of the box. Yeah. And and you know, I build one set and then I build another set. And all of a sudden, people are saying, well, can you build me a, you know, when are you gonna start doing cruiser wheels? Yeah. Okay. Well, I start doing. Can you start doing twenty sixers? All right. Can you start doing twenty ers and it's turned into it's it's turned into a monster at this point. I mean, yeah, it's it's not quite cut. It's beyond custom. It's now it's turned into pretty much you're doing batches almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we now we just started bringing we just brought in started bringing our own rim in mm -hmm. because we were buying rims from and I still do wheel sets with uh, with rims from anybody that yeah. you know anybody wants. You want sure. a sun rim? You want a Right. bombshell rim you want to answer it whatever it doesn't right. matter we'll build right. alienation doesn't matter we'll build it um but i said well natural progression i'm like why not get a rim right you know designed for us and, and brought in and so i did that and now we have our own rims and uh -huh. still building wheels with other people's stuff but yeah i mean we're doing a lot of a lot of wheel sets that's so good. hubs and wheel sets is our is is pretty much the number one selling thing right now at this point. Yeah. So it's hubs, wheel sets, still doing frames. Still doing frames, still doing bars. Uh, we just started doing um, C clamps. We're mm -hmm. bringing back the old and forks, I should say. And forks. forks. Yep. We're yeah. still stems. We're, we're and we're doing a C clamp again, double bolt that we had back in the day. Yeah. We're doing yeah. that, and then we're getting we're getting, we're getting a quick release made for us also. Um, yeah, I have one on my cruiser. Do you? Yeah. No, I think that's an yeah, you do. I yeah, do. you got an original one on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't get someone will grab that. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, I see these things going online and for for a lot of money. Never. When you get to our age, you don't let stuff like that go. No, no. I made that mistake once already with some older bikes. Did but, you? Yeah. So you're so you're pretty much doing everything, but uh, well, you have avenues to get components also. So you could pretty much almost build it. But I know with mine, you almost built my complete bike. Yeah, we pretty much have access to everything at this point, and uh -huh. and the more uh, the more time that goes by, and the, the more relationships we you know we uh, develop and nurture, it's we're getting to the point where eventually we'll probably be able to spec out the whole sure. you know spec out the whole bike. I mean, you know, we're expanding on the handlebars. We're making different sizes now. We're going into six and a half. We, we only do a six and eight and eight and a half, and now we're going six and a half. Uh, nine ten yeah. you know to to reach those uh you know the 26 market the 29 market yeah which is the cruiser market which is huge right you know and i and and honestly i credit you know todd with all that you know at sc i mean he's done an amazing job oh, sure. with, oh my god he's phenomenal it, i mean he was the wild man back then now he's just an animal yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean that's a good he's way converted from the wild man to an animal i mean right. he's, you know animal of sales uh, yeah i mean he's, he's crushing it i mean you know 
he is he's, he's doing a great job but yeah, yeah it opens yeah. doors when someone does that in my opinion it does open doors for for all other manufacturers oh, for everybody so it's, for everybody it's huge i mean just to get people on bikes mm-hmm. you know is 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 the goal and right. it's whether they're running you know striders or 29ers it don't matter as long as they're riding their bike right you know right. so like people like you know like like yourself like what you're doing and mm-hmm. with this and then and the fundraisers and everything and like yeah. what like what Dale's doing, yeah. you know, with with Harrow and his development oh, sure. team and all that. You know, that's that's huge. You know, I I followed Dale online too, and oh, and uh, amazing. yeah, yeah I mean, amazing what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's just all around. There's so many people that are doing so many great things, and those are, we need Building more excitement. Yeah. yeah, we need more things like that. Just having fun. I think the sport is like when I one thing I noticed when I came back was like it's kind of missing that that family environment or that fun feel like right it's just right. missing that and that's what we were about back in the day and right. and that's what we try to instill with you know with even our new team and our old team back in the day was the same way i mean let's talk about that because uh-oh. don't worry we got let's uh let's talk about old team versus this is gonna be team. a long one this is gonna be a long one this is gonna be a long one well a lot of people that listen obviously are in tune with with old to mid school sure. and so Understanding that there was a gap in in TNT mm-hmm. from from that mid school era, we'll say, right, and skipping on to new school, the old team. Yep, we'll talk about. I, I'm going to throw you a couple names. Okay, and uh, and then you can add to it. But this these are some of the people I remember from the old team. Okay, huge icon of the sport, Dave Clymer. Wow, you know Jay Lonergan. Yep, Rob Hughes. Yep. Pump and Paul Prestis, who we yep. talked about. And Lori. And Lori, I'm sorry. Yep. And Jimmy Necco. Yep. And then on to the newer, um, it's still in the same, still in that same first, we'll say first period of TNT. Okay. But then you got Jay Rich, Jay Rich Jason Richardson. Yep. Chris Diaz, Ronnie Gaska, Gitera, Doug Luton, Garcia Brothers, right? Yep. Um, anyone else that I'm forgetting from that first era before we jump on to now? Um, and give me a favorite rider out of all of them. Oh, Which I'm going to put you on the yeah on the hot seat for that one. I'll give you two. I give you two. I mean, everybody had their their own, I guess, special thing about them. No that, doubt. No that, doubt. That, that I really that I really enjoyed and and really liked about them. Uh, but early on, it, I have to say, it was my my dad kind of saw something in a lot of these a lot of these riders, and he was the one that kind of pull the trigger on he a lot of these people. He chose the a lot of original well, team. For instance, uh, like the Neckos. Yeah. You know, they were a local local team and they weren't doing much in nationals or anything like that. Right. But they were phenomenal on a local level. Yeah. And again, we became friendly with them and decided to start working with them a little bit. They were super early on. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Martin, which wasn't on your list. There's a question about him, so don't worry about that. Oh, but Kenny boy. Martin was on I have the a feeling original. Kenny asked that one. Did Kenny no. ask that question himself? No. 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 Okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who after. Okay. All right. But yeah. So I missed Kenny Martin. Kenny. Yep. And uh, then uh, who else? Guy Stevenson was on a oh, team yeah, for a while. Oh yeah, Guy. Yeah. I always remember Guy wearing. Ah, uh, uh, geez, what was he wearing? It wasn't wooden wheels. It was maybe it was wooden wheels. I don't know. Guy. Guy was awesome. Oh he God. There's really another guy that good. rode like. A, he reminded me a lot of like Drew, the way Drew rode. Yeah. Because yeah. just so much bike skill. Yeah, he was dialed. That, it wasn't power, it was just 
Yeah. It was just finesse and yeah. Right. Oh, that guy was phenomenal on the bike. You know. Yeah. I think he's racing mountain bikes now. I think. Oh, is he? Okay. I, that's what I heard. That oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Again, I could be wrong. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But um, so who else are we missing? I know it was somewhat Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York right. team. Glenn DeBello was like a local Jersey guy. Yeah. I rode ABA. Um, and I, and I'm, oh, I'm sorry to anybody that I'm missing anybody. No, no, it's, okay. I mean, even to them, I apologize because it's just, it was so long ago. And that's the gist of, of we'll call it the white uniform. Thing. Yeah, yeah, with the starburst on it and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. All yeah. right. And uh, so from there, we move into we'll call it the mid-school, the 90s team, mm-hmm. which are the other names I mentioned, like uh, Jason Richardson, Chris Diaz, Ronnie Gaska, Keith Harris, Doug Luden, Darren Mitchell. Darren Mitchell was on the Darren team for a Mitchell. while. Yeah. And, yeah. and anyone else I might Tim have Merkel. missed there. Tim Merkel, yeah. Tim Merkel. Which so, he, he was another guy that no one knew. Yes. But he was a West Coast guy. Yeah. Um, and uh, he went to the World Championships, almost won. I remember in Waterford. Yes, yeah. I remember there was a pile up or something, yeah. and he went from last to like second, and then passing a guy down the straightaway, and the guy squirreled out in front of him, oh. and he fell over his bike. And I remember being on a sideline, and he was just laying there, just probably just just defeated. And yes. I was yelling, "Get up! Every spot's a world number. Get up!" Yeah, yeah. And, we right, right, and he got up right. and he ran. I forgot what he ended up getting, maybe four or something. Yeah, yeah. Right, but, right. But I remember, yeah, Tim was one of those guys that uh, that was that no one knew. So that's pretty interesting because you, with the newer team, uh-huh. the team after the white jersey team, we'll say, mm-hmm. into the black and blue and pink, right? Was it? Yeah, it was like yeah, black some, and blue, like a purplish, purplish. Yeah, oh, right. No, you're right. Purple. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you would know. Um, you started to expand way beyond East Coast. Yes. So you started to go Northern California with the Garcias. I think Merkel yep. was Northern too, right? Was yeah. Um, Merkel, we ended up picking up Tim, I want to say through through Jason Richardson, okay. when Jason rode for us. Um, okay. And I forgot exactly how, I was talking to Jason not too long because we still stay in touch. Yeah. Uh, a funny story about Jason, when I told him I was bringing TNT back, um, I would send him, you know, I, I value his opinion on a lot of things. Sure. We became we became good friends, and I would send him jersey designs. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Yeah, and yeah. we bounce stuff off each other. And he told me that he's going to start racing again a little bit for 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 GT. I think it was. I think right. he got hooked up with a bike through Mike Day or something. Right. But uh, he said to me, he goes, and I remember it's in the text message. He goes, so you can start TNT again? I said, yep. He goes, you sure you want to do this? Like, you know, kind of like questioning my right, right. my decision. Well, he makes you think. It does make you think. And I, I said, listen to his podcast. He makes you think. He does. He does. Well, he's, he is, you know, he's a doctor. Yeah. So yeah. I sent him back a, a, a text message. I said, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Meaning race. You yeah. know? And he goes, touche. <laughs> we left it at that. Yeah. You know, but uh, oh, Jason awesome. was, Jason was one of the, uh, God, talk about if you wanted a pro on your team. That encompassed what a pro should be. That was Jason Richardson. Yeah. yeah, he just got it. Classy, classy. Always had his his gear together. Always on point with everything. Right. Providing feedback, you know, back to the manufacturer. And like I'll never forget, I was listening to Alan Foster's podcast. Uh-huh. There was another person who wrote for us, the Foster. Oh yeah, that's right. How can I forget? Brian did too. Yeah, yeah, Brian did yeah. too for a while. But I remember listening to Alan's podcast, and, and I guess Dale asked him a question about, you know, what kind of advice can you give to up and coming riders? And, and he said, 
make your sponsor's job easy. Yeah, yeah, I did hear that one. And that was huge. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, he's dead on. Yeah. And Jason was that guy that made your job easy. Like, yeah. he just did what he had to do. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. And I'll never forget it. Jason called me one day and he goes, you might want to get a batch of frames done in yellow. I said, why? He goes, trust me, just the next batch, make a bunch of yellow frames. I'm like, we never did yellow, Jay. He's like, just make the yellow frames. Yeah. yeah. All right. Then BMX Plus comes out. He's got a two-page spread in the middle on a yellow frame. For real? All of a sudden, we're getting phone calls for yellow frames. Oh, my gosh. So Jason could knew how to... Yeah. He saw, like, yeah. the big picture, and he knew how to, like, you know, I guess forecast right, what right, was coming. Right. And, and and then the year he won the the world championships in Waterford on Cruiser, Yeah, yeah. I, I you may have seen the video. I was yelling like a... Like a parent on the sideline <laughs> yeah, for him yeah. because he wasn't only riding for us, but he was family to us. Right. You know, Jason was, he was just, he was phenomenal and yeah. uh, not just on track, but off the track too. And, right. And right. Um, I remember Jason handed me, gave me his world trophy. And he said, he goes, I want you to have this. And I said, but no, it's yours. You won. He goes, no, no. It's, this is yours. I want you guys to have it. Do you still have it now? It's the only trophy. That and I got rid of all my trophies that I had because they were just taking too much space yeah, right, in my parents' right. house. But yeah. I kept that world championship uh, trophy. It was like a it was like a casting of a rider holding a helmet or something. I remember, yeah. I have that. Yeah. And Not all, that I have one. I just right, right. It, <laughs> Not many of us do. No. But um, that one and the New Jersey Rider of the Year trophy because it was over six feet tall. So I kept that one. Wow. So yeah, only yeah. that one and only Jason's are the only two trophies I have. Yeah. Everything else is gone. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. So uh, So there's a guy that really did something for the business, like oh. you know, proactively work for the sponsor. Yeah, Jason did, yeah. yeah. He just knew how to do it and and, mm -hmm. and I, we were talking the other day and I remember Jason told me because yeah, your dad asked me to ride for you guys when I was riding for living New Jersey and riding for like S and B, like which was like a pedal cage company yeah, or something. I remember. He goes, he asked me to ride for you guys then. And I said, no. He goes, I should have done it. He goes, I was, you know, I should have, I should have agreed yeah. to ride for you guys back then. Right. Nothing wrong with the, that team, but they were small, you right, know, and right. not manufacturers to the extent that you guys were. And I would have loved to see Jason just kind of grow with the brand like that. Right. That would have been great. But right. he was, uh, you know, he was an important part as far as taking TNT to kind of the next level. Yeah. yeah. And helping us out and, and, and bringing in that. California West Coast yes. contingent and bringing those riders in. Yeah. Um, like Darren. Like, and, yeah, and like Darren. And the Darren was after Jason, but then. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because I think after us, Jason went on to Giant, I think, to yeah, Mosh. Correct, right. See, but um, we just couldn't compete with Giants. Giant. I mean, we couldn't, right. you know, couldn't do what they were doing for him. But, uh, no, especially if you have the world's title on the whole thing. Exactly. His resume's built. Right, but he was. Uh, he was. And he played an important part as far as getting us out there on the West Coast and letting people know who TNT was. Because right. we're a Jersey company. We're all on the East yeah. Coast, you know? Right. And uh, that and another rider was probably... Darren Mitchell helped us hook up with... Remember Brandon Meadows? Yes. Okay. Not many people knew who Brandon... I didn't know Brandon Meadows was. Mm -hmm. I was on the East Coast. He was a little kid when, when I first saw him on the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember he... Uh, he told you, you got to get this guy a frame. You got to get him on a bike. He needs yeah. a frame. You got to get him on a bike. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. He's like, just trust me. Send him a frame. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So I send Brandon Meadows a frame. He goes on to win, to win number one in the ABA on a TNT riding. Overall for, number one? I, I, I don't want to. Or, or? I don't. 
It could have been. He'll probably. He'll. I hope he's not upset with me for for not remembering because my memory's shot. No, it may have been overall. I think. It, I think it was. I yeah. think it was. If I remember correctly. Regardless, he was winning races yeah. on well, the TNT. Th- there's hundreds of people that'll fact check us on anything. Yeah, around yeah, so yeah. I'm about. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. There's so many people out there that know so much more than I'm like. Yeah. Oh yeah, how do you even know that? Right, right. No, but uh, well, that's the cool part about the sport, you know. True yeah. fans remember that. Remember that. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, so I'm going to ask you one more of my questions. Sure. Um, and then we'll go to some questions from people that uh, that gave questions online. Uh oh. Okay. But uh, don't worry, they're all they're all safe. Okay. So, um, so how does having a team compare now to then? Just uh, briefly summarize, because I know this could go down a whole bunch of different roads. But it's definitely different. Um, first of all, back in the day, there was only a few teams out there, a few factory teams anyway out there, and you could. You know, if there was GT, there was, you know, Paralyte and, you know, TNT, obviously, and, and a handful of others. But other than that, you rode for a bike shop, yes. you know, back in the day. And no one was out there making their own uniforms or, right. or starting their own companies or anything like that. Nowadays, it's so much different because everybody's got a team. Yes. There's so many teams out there. You can't race without being on a team at scene. Well, that's Especially what, on the national level. If you're not wearing a uniform... You're right. Right. That's how... But I think that's the misconception. Like, like, and people pay to be on these teams. I know. I know. And back in the day, it was like... Which is fine, by the way. If yeah. Oh, what, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a different you know, time. It's a different right. time. It's just, it is what it is. And it's a different time. It's a different, right. you know, different uh, time of BMX. And, and that's just... You know, that's where we are. But, yeah. but back in the day... You didn't approach factory teams to ask them to be on a team. A factory team approached you. Yes. And nowadays, it seems a lot different. Yeah. Now a lot of people are kind of like, "Hey, I did this. I hey, I did that." And yeah. self promotion. Yeah. I mean, nowadays everybody's a brand yeah. with with online with social media. I mean, you nowadays a team rider really has to have social media because it's it's so much of a a part of of the whole package. Right. I mean, look at like like Barry and Caroline. Yeah. They don't have to race. They have it mastered. They have it mastered. It's they've had right. it, it's like it's perfect. Yeah. They don't even have to race anymore. Correct. And they can keep this going for for right. God knows how long. Right. You know, it's they've created such a brand. Yes. Uh, and 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 everybody knows who they are. Right. But um, but nowadays it's just like you know somebody it's so much easier to get product made nowadays. Um, people have a little bit of money and they think oh I can start a bike company. So there's a lot of these new teams popping up you know the, the frame game I like, I like to call it I'm sure other people call it the same there's so many bike frames out there and everybody's on the factory team yes yeah everybody's on. it's I completely understand it's it's really hard to tell what the legit teams are unless you really read into it and you and you know it yeah ahead of time because I know watching the grands I still spend hours in front of the computer watching the grands sure. from home if you know, then you know, obviously. But every single—it's so rare to see a rider go around the track wearing jeans. Yeah, you know, it yeah. just—it's really hard to tell what's a legit team as far as factory will say. Right, right. So what you're saying is it's almost like everything is factory now. Though that's what. Yeah, it seems. And I think the other misconception is parents think they have to have a three thousand dollar bicycle to compete, yeah. and it's. Back in the day, it was you had you bought your bike a complete from somewhere, and that's what you rode. Like nothing makes me happier than when I go to a local like like here at Howell, and I see a kid up there 
on like a, uh, like a, how I like to call it a beater yeah. basically sure you know a bike that's just just you know basically spare parts or yeah. a complete that they bought at Walmart or something but they're out there doing it right and that's where I think it should be mm-hmm. especially when beginners or novices are coming to the sport right not these parents that are going out there and spending three thousand dollars on a bike and and I couldn't tell you how many phone calls like I get people are asking well hey my son's you know racing so-and-so intermediate or something and he rides a you know let's say a top-notch brand that's out there the bike costs three thousand dollars and he's got carbon this and carbon that and all the and what what does he need to change on his bike you know because he's having a hard time getting out of gates what does he need to do you know what what will make his gate better and if i put this hub on it if i put if i raise his bars or lower his bars my answer is practice gates right Ride the bike. Ride the bike. <laughs> you know, and another thing is a lot of these parents don't want their kids to ride their bike because they spent $3,000 on it. So they go and buy a $150 complete bike, and that's the bike they ride around town. And then they say, oh, my kid seems to ride better on his $150 bike, on his park bike, than his race bike that I paid $3,000 for. Well, it's because he's not riding the $3,000 bike. Right, right. We didn't have two bikes back in the day. We had no, one bike. Absolutely one bike. <laughs> and even the guys race, you know, jumping contests like 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 Joey Garcia. Joey yeah. entered those contests and raced on the same bike. I remember doing contests where I even left my plate on. Yeah. And I would do a contest with Joey when he was on high tech. And, yeah. And so it was, you know, fuzzy and all of them. Yeah. Everyone still had their number plates on. <laughs> you jumped on your race bike. And we jumped on the race bike. It was hilarious. I mean, now it's hilarious looking back. And I wouldn't change a thing. No. I would do it all over the same again, way. just like that. Exactly. But yeah, that's that's an issue nowadays for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, um, how many times do you see people spending all this money on these new bikes and I see them post you know bragging about their bike or, or, right. or trying to get feedback on the bike and and then but then three months later you see the bike online for sale for half the yeah. price because they're like oh the kid yeah. didn't get in the sport you know or something so no doubt it's just a different time you know it's, it is it is and, and I just wish it was a simpler time with with new people coming into the sport because I, I really think it kind of needs to go back to basics yeah. a little bit yeah you know yeah a little less focus on nationals we'll say and focus yeah. more on development which i'm i'm happy to to see that usa bmx is embracing the the beginner um um how oh, geez um my crew oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah the beginner league yep yeah, yeah yeah that's huge donnie robinson donnie i think donnie just i heard a rumor that he's, i think he's gonna be starting he's gonna be working at usa bmx now. yeah which is ideal yeah. they can implement that kind of program i mean they're turning riders around and retaining at, it's huge at a at a huge level and, and that's what it's gonna take because yeah the word get, isn't getting out there otherwise but um, no i mean and like what dale's doing with you know going to you know going to to, to places and, and and doing his uh his beginner, uh, I guess, clinics and oh, stuff like that. Oh, through the Y, yeah. Yeah, through, through the, the Y. Oh, that's yeah, huge. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, even if... Listen, you could do it with... If, if you got 50 riders at those things, if five of them get into the sport or sit, you know, get in, maybe sure. they'll get their friends. Maybe they'll bring in, you know, bring in other yeah. people. It's just... We just need more people involved yeah. in BMX. Oh, absolutely. Know? We really do. We yeah. really, really do. I mean, just... When was the last time you went to the Grands and they're racing total points in oh. a class? I saw it. Uh, I saw it too. You, you and know, it's, it's like. Remember a, going in there's a whole 30 risk. seconds and 16s? Yeah, and, well. You know? Yeah, we, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we. I remember going to Columbus and having 64. Yeah. 
or at the Grands, yeah. I should say. I'm not sure if Columbus Saver at six. I had at least thirty seconds. Right. I know that. Right. I, I, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You can go on for Let's, hours and that. So we'll hit a couple. Um, it, wow, weird. I told you this is going to fly by. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go from through a couple questions from uh, from online, but. Um, sure. Angel Rodriguez, who is a New Jersey guy, mm-hmm. he wants to know your favorite TNT rider from the 80s and 90s combined, which, again, we're going to be diplomatic here, um, because it's so hard. You had so many good riders, but maybe for some particular quality, maybe there's one that sticks out to you. Uh, we talked about Jay, Jay Rich, so mm-hmm. let's pull him out of it. Um, I'll have to package it together, probably. Okay. Um, Go well, for for, I'll do. Well, first of all, Climber, my that was all my dad. Oh, was it? That was all my dad. I remember being at a Pennsylvania race. I think this is when he was still riding for Peddler. I want to say was it Peddler? Uh, no, it was. Um, was it? Yeah, it was. It was purple, purple, purple and black, white? Yeah, it was Peddler. I remember him doing a. He was on the side and had his little root, root jump on the side of the track, and he's there doing wheel grabs and, and one-handers and, and he was and, already punk rock then. Yeah, cross-ups, and then he, I remember he did like. Uh, a wall ride or a tree ride, kind of like bumped up on a tree and bounced back down. My dad goes, "We gotta get that bike, that guy in the frame." You know, that was the big thing back then. You know, he was he was that guy that was out there. Just he was so unpredictable. That's a vision on your dad's part because yeah. normally you'd frown on that and say, "Oh, he's just some you know, some, no, some rebel." My dad was, and I, and I remember having uh, talking to somebody down the road. I think it was Steve Buttendeck. Yeah, and uh, an interview later on down the line and, and when we were doing TNT and he says he goes right. you, know, you guys were pretty savvy as far as finding these diamonds in the rough kind of thing yeah. or like picking out these riders that weren't there yet Yeah. but then once they got on TNT they developed and they got to, to where they needed to be Right. and then we'd probably end up losing them because the factory team would come in and pick them up sure. but no yeah. one knew who they were right. until they got on yes. TNT yeah. like locally they did but not nationally yeah, and they, they were always known as being, you know, getting their right. their start, right. if you want to call it that, as far as factory level on TNT. Right, but so if you, I had to pick Jimmy and Joey Garcia, probably. Yeah. 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 That's an awesome combination because they were both incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think just that family dynamic yes. that they had. I mean, their parents running were the track, right? the nicest the people in the world. I mean, I, could, I can go on for hours, but they were the nicest people in the world. Yeah. And... Jimmy and Joey were, and I raced Jimmy. Sure, but he was on the team. I mean, yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't care. And, right. um, and honestly, I think when we first started working with them, I think we kind of had our eye more on Jimmy. Yeah. Than Joey. Yeah, most of us did. And then Joey kind of just took off yes. and came into his own. And, and he he's up, the one that ended up getting the Schwinn deal. And, and yeah, he won that. the King of Dirt on a TNT and and. Uh, oh, did he? Yeah, he oh, won it on a TNT Longfellow. Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, he went on a TNT long... His, his race bike. That is awesome. Yeah, so the Garcia brothers, I would have to say... Um, yeah. They were just the nicest people in the world. I mean, they... I remember talking to um, their parents, and, and they were even saying, even when they got the Schwinn deal, they, you know, it was a hard decision for them to make to even leave sure. TNT because it was just such a family unit there that right. it was home for them. Right. right. But... But how can you turn that Schwinn? Oh, I mean, come you're, on. You're it was an opportunity corp- and a half. You're I mean, corporate money, it's, it's just a whole different... Oh, world. I knew what they were going to go. I was, go. You know? Yeah. Please, take it. I'm not going to hold you back. Go. Do your thing. No, go. you do the same, I'm sure. But Yeah, exactly. 
Are we going to rip through a few? Sure. Um, so who is a team rider that you wanted? This is for me, actually, because I thought of this afterward. Um, who's a team rider that you wanted but you couldn't get? Who did you try to get but you just couldn't get? Oh, wow. That is a good question. I guess that would include your dad. Maybe he had his eye on someone they just couldn't get to. But either of you. That's a tough one. I don't... I don't know. I have to think about that one. And maybe there wasn't one. I don't... Maybe I don't you think. got who you... Because it, you did say that you were... You, yeah, your we, dad... We never really went... Like, let's say there was a number one rider. We never really went after the number one rider. You were looking for the diamond in the rough. We were looking for the diamond in the rough. So, yeah. You, of course, if you're looking for the diamond in the rough, then you'd usually get them. Well... Yeah, and it was, there was so much more involved. Like nowadays, we even get approached by people and ask, oh, what does it take to be on the factory team? So many things. Mm-hmm. There's so many factors. Not only do you got to be fast on the track, but there's a dynamic there that's almost almost indescribable. Right. It almost has to... Everything just kind of has to gel. Right. You know what I mean? And everybody sure. kind of has to... It's so hard to explain, I think, and I think you understand. Oh, where yeah, I from. totally yeah. get it. Yeah, but I don't think... I don't, I don't think they're... I don't think there was one. If I think yeah. of one, I'll let you know. But I don't. Makes sense to me. Yeah, it I don't think so. Makes sense to me, knowing knowing the history. It makes yeah. sense to me why there wouldn't be an answer to that question. Yeah, yeah, no. All right, here we go. This is a quick one from Minos from Base Brooklyn. Oh, okay. This one's kind of funny. Uh, back in the day, the Pool Brothers and I ran into you and your dad on the way back from the Grands. You had slipped your pedal on the main, and Mister Zaluski told us they were going to make pedals. <laughs> For the rest of the drive, we talked about what they would look like. Still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I do remember, do you that. remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. And and it's funny because the Pool Brothers and their dad were we were very good friends with them. Yeah. And they used to come to TNT to the shop on a regular basis. Oh, did they? Yeah. Like okay. they would just call and they were tight with my father and, yeah. and obviously I was close with Richie and Wayne. And, yeah. But they would just come in. Not many people did. We didn't allow people to kind of pop in because we were, sure. you know, we're busy and it's a business and right. and stuff and, and we don't want anybody coming and seeing what's on the desk or something, you know? Yeah, right. But uh, they were always welcome. Yeah. They were always yeah. welcome and it would turn into, you know, a two-hour conversation sitting in the office and just hanging out. And, right, right. But, uh, I mean, even if he just came down because he needed an axle yeah. for his hub set, he would make the drive to come down and hang out. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so they were... Uh, I do remember that. Yeah, we never made a pedal. <laughs> we ended up, I think, slapping our name on like a, a generic Welgo pedal or something that Redline also used, and I probably Diamondback and everybody. Oh, okay. But it was just a, you know, out of the catalog kind of. Yeah, yeah. Pedal, right. but yeah, yeah. I do remember that. That's good. That's good enough. Yeah. All right, this one's gonna have to be a quick question that we probably don't want the whole answer to, but I okay. promised I would ask it. This is from Paulie Isbester, who also wrote a TNT. Yes, he did. Yep. He definitely did. There was a whole upstate New York contingent that all real Lou Delfino, a lot of those guys wrote TNTs. Todd Wells. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, my God. Todd did, too. Yeah. 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 I got a bunch of pictures of Todd right We have a lot of love for Long Island. Yeah. We always did. Shoreham was always a second home for us. Yeah, and upstate. Yeah. I'm talking yeah. upstate. Oh, yeah, and upstate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Long Island, but New York in general. That reminds but, me. Yeah. Dave Williams was on TNT, wasn't he? Oh, my God. How could we forget Dave? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Dave was on TNT when it was dance or after dance. Uh, after we shift, he shifted over to TNT mm-hmm. from dance. 
Okay. Um, when Terry was was running the team. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But Dave, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Sorry, okay. I was so. No, no, no. Gotta, don't be. See, sorry. I knew we'd forget somebody. Together, we have we oh, yeah. can complete a brain. Yep. All right. So, uh, Paulie, Paulie wants to. <laughs> We've know. crashed enough, both yeah. of us. So. <laughs> Paul, Paulie wants to know. And I'm telling you, you don't have the answers. No, what, what is up with the dirty banana? Oh, jeez. All right. Um, Give us the G-rated. Okay, no, it's it's cool. I mean, we were running. We, I was driving from New Jersey to Pittsburgh to South Park. Yeah. Uh, not not this past year, but the year before. And there's that one, you know, Pennsylvania. You're always driving through Pennsylvania, and just like, oh, when's this road going to end? You know. Right. And and that's not the biggest state. <laughs> no, yeah, right. And you're listening. I'm listening to the radio, and this commercial comes on for this local bar. Yeah. And it's got like a sexual overtone to it, right? <laughs> to the point where the girls coming on going, you know, come out, check out our big deck, you know? And we got drinks for the guys and drinks for the ladies. We have dirty bananas and this and that. And I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? You know, like I was like, <laughs> so I just took a banana and I put a TNT sticker and I put it on my dashboard while I was driving and I kind of, and I said something and posted it and it just kind of took off from there. Oh, all right. That's but where it came from. Yeah, but it came from there. But it's from a, TV commercial, a radio commercial, driving through PA, oh. about some bar apparently has a big deck and they serve dirty bananas. <laughs> that's, that's great. To, if I'm ever, if I'm in a bar anytime soon, I'll I'll ask for a dirty banana and see what kind of response I get. We've tried it a couple of times and no one knew what the heck we were talking about. One place that they did, but then they said, "Oh, we can't make that. We don't know what it is." So like, I'll, oh, I'll okay. look in the bartender's friend book. When there I get you go. Home. <laughs> All right. So, second question from Paulie: Describe sure. the process from prototype to production, which. Don't want to go too long sure. on this one because we're getting a little late here. But uh, just basically the process from prototype to production. Um, well, like, well, for instance, like back in the day, obviously my dad had the machine shop. Yeah. And a lot of it started literally just sketched on a on a on a pad of paper. I mean, my dad has you know we've had engineers that work for us in the office that obviously know AutoCAD, Pro Engineer, SolidWorks, and all the and all the programs, but. Um, my dad wasn't, my dad's not an engineer. You know, my dad's not a, an engineer. He came over with an old trade. He's a machinist. He's a machinist. He's a straight yeah. up machinist. And um, we, it was all trial and error. Yeah. That's how we did it. Right. You know, back in the day, we designed something, tried it out. If it worked, if it didn't work, we tweaked it. We made another one. Right. That's how it went. It was trial yeah. and error. And if it didn't look right, we cleaned up the lines a little bit and, re and made another one. Right. So there's a lot of... And I think back then it was a simpler time. I'll, I'll never forget when Doug Luden left to go work at GT. Mm -hmm. um, we were close at that point, but Doug got an opportunity to work at GT when he moved out to California. And he called me probably within like the first week he was there. And he goes, you're not going to guess what, what's sitting on my desk. I said, what? And he goes, a TNT stem cut in half. And I said, are you serious? He goes, yep. And he goes, they were trying to figure out, I guess, why your stems are you know holding up so well or why the shafts aren't pulling loose or something like that he goes i got a stem here cut dead right down the center really split right down it's the center cut away of yours cut away of ours so it, what people might think it's you know it's all this crazy technology and all this but it's i think it's pretty simple i mean gt was cutting our stems in half right you know to right. figure out what was inside right. and then kind of re-engineering or reverse engineering sure sure but yeah i mean it's, but it, it could have come down to you just had a good process and we're creating a good product. Right. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it. it was trial and error and we just, I mean, there was, I broke stems, TNT mm -hmm. stems. Right. You know, there was hubs that we had problems with, but mm -hmm. we, 
went back, looked at them, tweaked them, went back, make another one, tweaked it again, and so on and so forth right. until we got it right and yeah. figured out the formula. Right. And then we went into production. Wow. So it's, it's, it's pretty basic. Okay, let's see. Guy named Fort James, the guy from Delaware. He's yep. a super nice guy. You may know him. He mm-hmm. was on Wooden Wheels for a while. Yep, I see him a lot online. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was, he's plays with Kevin Banks, Vickers, all those guys. Mm-hmm. All right, this is, this, we kind of talked about this, but he's asking for the secrets to staying in business for so long through the cycles. Yeah, but I think the basics, I mean, you really have to be enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. You really got to enjoy what you're doing and be in it. If you think you're gonna be, you're gonna get involved in BMX to make money, you're in the wrong business. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna make a fortune in BMX. You're not gonna get rich in BMX. Right. You're doing it because you enjoy it. You rode and you enjoy riding your bike. Right. And you enjoy the, the I guess the the joy and the and the fun that the kids have at yeah. the races and 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 trying to be a part of that. And and I think if you're enjoying what you do and you're genuine. Uh huh. Um. I think you'll you have a very good chance. Right. It's not yeah. the secret to it, but I right. think I think if you start with that, you have a good chance Got that it. you'll do all right. And you're honest with people. Don't yeah. burn bridges. And it's the same philosophy you guys had then, back when your dad yeah. was super involved in now. Yeah, I mean I mean one of the big reasons I think when we came back, um, that we were uh, people were willing to start working with, with me again was we didn't burn any bridges back in the day. Right. You know, if we paid off everybody we had to pay off. We owed any money to anybody when we shut up, we closed close shop and shut the doors. Right. We made sure we made good on everything. Sure. So, uh, you know, we weren't, uh, we didn't have any, right. I guess, bad relationships with anybody right. from back in the day. And, and uh, we pretty much made good on everything. Yeah, that's good. Point, so. good advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the question about uh, Kenny Martin. This is oh, from, from Rob Mick from oh. uh, PJ Bike Doctor. <laughs> okay. What happened to Kenny Martin? <laughs> And he said he was super nice, fast, and, and an original TNT guy, which you had mentioned. Kenny, yeah, Kenny was one of the original TNT guys that um, that my my dad um, picked up. And Kenny and I, Kenny was a little older than I was. He was race. I raced him a few times here and there, and because when our ages kind of crossed over. But uh, Kenny actually got hurt. Oh, okay. At this track, oh, at Howell, um, partially due to me, actually. Um, <laughs> does PJ have, or does uh, Rob have an inside line on this or something? I don't know. If he knows or not, but Kenny, okay. Kenny throws it out there every once in a while, and I love Kenny to death. Yeah. And um, we were here at this. I think it was Ironman, or I don't know if it was Ironman or War Stars or Regional, but it was a pretty yeah, decent yeah. sized race. Yeah. And we were we went over the first jump together. It was oh. me, him, and Jason Theodore, and Jason was was Ooh. beating us that that weekend. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's a big dude. He was a big dude, and he was fast, yeah. and nice, one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. But I was like, you just wanted to beat him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And uh, and we went over the first jump together, and I had I think I had a little bit of a lead on Kenny, and I don't remember if my foot came off or if my pedal went in or something, but it got lodged in his wheel. Yeah, and he went over the bars and the tabletop, injured his back really bad. Oh, okay. broke part of his you know, broke, broke, yeah. Wow, ended up in a hospital. Oof, and it was a pretty it was a bad injury. Um, right. I don't know, I don't know the exact specifics of it, but sure. it was a bad injury. Right, and I remember leaving the race right after the race was done, and we went right to the hospital to see Kenny, and right. uh, 
saw him there lying in lying in the bed, and, and the first thing he says to me he goes, "Did you get him?" Huh. Meaning, did I did yeah, I get right, Jason? Right. I go I go no, I, he won. I got second. He's like, oh man. He's like, after all that, you still got second. <laughs> <laughs> so he was a good sport about it, and obviously yeah. wasn't intentional. No, obviously, but uh, Kenny's doing good. We're in contact with each other online. Uh-huh. Um, Kenny actually went. He's an engineer. Uh-huh. He does a lot in the automotive industry. Okay. Uh, I think he did some. I think he'll probably correct me, but I think he worked for Honda at one point. He was a test driver oh, okay. for them. He actually worked. He was contracted to Kenda, really? actually, at one point, helped them design some automobile tires and uh-huh. some uh, mountain bike tires, from what oh, I understand okay. as well. Yeah. And um, yeah, we actually have our relationship with Kenda. We kind of I have Kenny to thank for that actually because Kenny yeah. kind of opened that door for us a little bit. Oh, yeah. Nice. And. Uh, and it was, it's <laughs> funny story is Kenny told me he's like yeah I said you know you gotta they should have came out with the Ken with the with the Ken Ken the Martin tire <laughs> I said so uh, I remember reaching out to the guys at Kenda and uh, going to see them at Interbike yeah and uh, they had a they, they think they were doing like a presentation or something and they had this giant booth you know it was intimidating it was the yeah. first year I went and yeah. going to see them and I shot them a couple emails but nothing ever came of it and then right. uh, I went there and I remember going to them and I said anybody have any questions it must be like 20-30 people deep and I raised my hand and I said yeah when are you guys coming out with the Ken the Martin and he goes oh you're that guy he goes you're the guy he goes wait I need to talk to you and uh, we ended up building a relationship and, and now uh, oh, nice. I couldn't think of another tire company to work with I mean they're amazing oh, awesome. so yeah Kenny kind of helped to open up that door oh that's cool Yeah, yeah. That's so he's cool. doing well he's doing really well he's online if anybody wants to check him out and say hello yeah definitely. he's on Facebook where do you see TNT in the future well, we're still developing new products, like I just mentioned before. We're, we're coming out with uh, reissuing the old school C clamp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how deep we're going to dive into bringing back the retro stuff. We are going to do some stuff. We're actually working on some chromoly frames. Oh, you are right now. Yeah, we have some some industry friends that are helping us out with that. I'm not going to say who, because right. I don't know if they even want that information out there. But right. they, we're getting some help um, making some chromoly frames again. I don't know again how deep we're going to dive into it um, but we are going to go down that path and I think we're just going to try to keep continuing to try to promote BMX and, and keep that keep that family feel going out mm-hmm. there I mean we got a strong team in New York that uh, that Michael Maris is is, mm-hmm. is, is, is helping us out with um, Sean Campbell out of North Carolina right. is helping us out with the national team as well and, and we have a few other locations that we're working with some riders but um, I think we're going to try to stay true to what TNT is always about and not lose focus and and basically grow the brand from there mm-hmm. you know but uh, no I want to I want to say there's this crazy plan but it really isn't we're kind of sure. going you it doesn't know. need to be what no. you're doing seems to be working yeah. just fine I think we're just going you know going day by day and, and mm-hmm. continue to try to put out good products good affordable products because uh, it's a little intimidating nowadays, I think, for new, new people to come into the sport sure. and see, I'm, I gotta spend how much to get on the track? No, you don't. You don't have to spend that kind of money on the track you know, to get a good quality product. So we're trying to make it accessible and affordable for people mm-hmm. um, so they can still send their kids to college one day. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it, yeah. That's reality for sure. <laughs> So what's the, uh, is there a distribution? Do you have distribution for TNT or is it, is it direct through TNT or both? Uh, both. We're doing 
originally when we came back, um, again, like I said, it was hard to get distribution and get dealers to kind of mm. jump on the brand. And I learned that quick because obviously with mail order and where it was where it was at the time, uh, bike shops didn't want to stock BMX, you know. Right. So we kind of had no choice but to go direct mm -hmm. on the stuff to get the stuff out there. But now that we did, I'm glad we did because it's brought us some attention. Sure. And now dealers are starting to, to pick up on it and, and carry the stuff. We do have distribution through uh, QBP, through Quality Bicycle Products, okay. and through uh, Jeff DeVito at JD mm -hmm. Cycle, who, who, again, another person who just came back into the industry not too long ago, right. who obviously was you know, running MCS sure. back in the day. So he's distributing the product now for us and helping us get it out there. Um, but we're going to continue to probably sell direct because the wheel sets that we're doing are... 100% custom, right? It's, you're not just getting some off-the-shelf right. wheel set that's, or, or something that we build into stock and you have no option. I mean, like I said before, and like you said, I build every single one right. of them. Right. You know, if I'm up until four in the morning building wheel sets, you know, I'm, I'll do it happily. I mean, right? You know, it, like you said before, it's therapy for me. I, I, I actually enjoy it. And there's nights yeah. when I bring work home with me and I have to build wheel sets at, at home at night. Yeah. But there's times when People might not realize it, but I might have my daughter laying on my lap on one side, sure. and my son sitting there with his baba, right. sipping on his bottle, yeah. leaning against me while I'm chewing wheels. But right. we're getting it done, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. And it, and my my son already has already showed interest in it. You know, he says everything's a bicycle. It's a wheel or a part handlebar. He goes bicycle, bicycle. Right. Everything's a bicycle. Right. He's helped chew a couple of wheels with me. That's right. it. Yeah. He takes the spoke wrench and he goes yeah, in and he sure. kind of pretends to right. twist and stuff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he, he's into it. And uh, I think he's going to be my helper down the line. Yeah. I eventually, you know, he's into it. But I don't push my kids into BMX right. at all. If, if they want to do it, they want to do it. But my daughter's a girly girl. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. Got to find their own way and what they yeah. like. So that's, that's right. good. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, I think that pretty much wraps up. Just any last thoughts or shout outs or anything like that that you want to that you want to have out there for the for the general public well first of all to you but thank you well, you're welcome. for have for you know oh, for, for reaching out because uh i listen to the podcast you know yours of course and everybody else's as well and right. again i'm a i'm a fan first of all that stuff and uh i love listening to them and uh i guess everybody that's pretty much supported tnt and everybody's kind of welcomed us back in mm because it's been overwhelming and I can't thank everybody enough. I mean, I feel blessed that um, we are able to come back into the sport that we really, really love so much and make a go at it. And uh, I really, really, really want to thank my wife because obviously without her, I don't think I would have done this. I, I know I wouldn't have done it. Right. She kind of gave me that little push because like I said before, you know, having a family and everything, you, I'm thinking as a provider and thinking, you know, I gotta have the nine to five and I gotta bring a paycheck in and for her to allow me to take this plunge and, and do what I'm uh, do what I really, really enjoy and, and make a go at it, I can't thank her enough. Like she's she's phenomenal. Hey, behind every great man there's a yeah, incredibly it's, strong it's woman. So and true. A great it's woman. so true. It's yeah. so true. But it's yeah, she she's the one that pushed me to to do it. That's great. Yeah. Perfect way to end it. Well, I appreciate it, Mark. It's, no, thank I, you. Going down memory lane and, yeah. and learning exactly how it works as far as the business goes is is uh, super interesting to me. So I'm glad we were able to do this and 
definitely spend some time together too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're old friends, and I think we, I think we probably could have kept going on and on and on and on. Oh my gosh, yeah. I could, you know, but no question. Right, right. Next, no question. Part two, part two will probably be offline. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't want, I don't know if people want to hear me rattle, but or you know, talk so long, but. Uh, Oh, I tried to be as honest as possible. They, they will, believe me. This is interesting stuff. Okay, you know, cool. People, I'm glad, I'm glad. People love this kind of stuff. And I know I do, and I, I think I have a pretty good feeling of what people want to hear. And mm-hmm. the way I look at this is I'm doing this for fun. And, and you know, if I, can, if I can get some word out about people that I truly believe in, then it, it's a score for, for BMX in general. Well, so, if you haven't noticed, I mean, when we started this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of kind of started monotone but now i have a big smile on my face towards the end of it so good i appreciate you asking me these questions and us discussing it because it took me down memory lane and it, it justifies why i'm back involved yeah in bmx and with tnt so and, thank you and me too this yeah. is a great experience for me too yeah yep so we'll keep it going awesome all right thanks mark thanks joe all right take care